Hello there! <laughs> Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Mechanic Resurrection, which does feature people on a boat. <laughs> My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Marwazki. Uh, I'm a crustacean, and I run this place. And with our mechanic resurrection tagline, Kelly Wand. It's like crank high voltage, but with an Asian woman. <laughs> well, what? what? All that's true. And that's uh, the only thing that matters when I pose them. <laughs> <laughs> the goodness is incidental and not present. Uh, what other taglines might one use, Kelly Wand, for mechanic resurrection? Uh, I only got two more. Okay. So that way you'll know how to react after the third one, because you'll know that's it. <laughs> All right. Finally, a movie with Alba in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the mechanic, when he repairs stuff, it explodes. <laughs> All right. Kind of makes sound dumb. If we were voting, my favorite would be the second. Dingus, really? where, would, where would you fall in this election? Election. Uh, I would Which fall on. Three? I would vote for the two. I mean the second. Yeah. So Kelly, <laughs> that is the winner of uh, of the the tagline. I asked my mom on Skype last night what movie she'd seen last. She's all, oh, we saw that movie, um, The Electrician. <laughs> so that's what she thought this movie was called. Oh, oh, I was thinking she meant election, <laughs> like the the purge election. There's a no. That would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Mm. <laughs> but it actually makes sense because then I just realized because he makes bombs. He's an, he's an electrician for real. Right. Well, let's uh, – yeah. I think the, he's a plumber as well. I think he could be – she could be looking out for the plumber next year. He was like the Brooklyn plumber. General contracting. I mean that's – yeah, higher Statham. <laughs> the drywall dude. Uh, before uh-huh. we get to that though, and speaking of, of elections and winners, I'm going to give you guys a quiz and see which of you wins the quiz. Ready? Mm-hmm. This is a short quiz. This is just a quote, and you can jump in whenever you're ready with, ever, with what you think is the answer. Uh, whoever gets it first wins. Um, now, this is something that uh, Manola Dargis wrote about a, a particular actress. Oh, Tom loves his Manola Dargis. Uh, I know he does. I really do, yeah. Uh, so she wrote this about a particular actress, and you guys just have to guess who the actress is. She describes this person as a sublime nerd goddess, a dash of the young Jerry Lewis with a glint of Amy Poehler. About whom is that said by Manola Dargis? Kate McKinnon? Kelly Wand wins right off the bat. Wow, really? Nice. Good job, Kelly. That was in her Ghostbusters review. Yeah. But for some reason, all I could think of was Ava Green, and I was like, oh. Ava Green? Uh. <laughs> From 
Ava Green from which movie? Dingus? It doesn't matter. You just started talking, and I thought of her name, and then that's all. Everything else in my brain went away. I think Dingus heard the word sublime, and immediately that just she comes. She came into yeah, Adam Devine blocked everything. That's pretty much what happened. So Uh, I either either Manila Dargis is a really good writer because I guessed it from her writing alone, or I read that. Well, both could be true. And I think the first part is certainly true. Are you reading? I, I actually, I actually love her writing too. Are, are you reading uh, Manola Dargis Ghostbuster review, Kelly Wand? I might have. Okay. That ruins the quiz, though. Huh? Uh, no, it's okay because I mean, would you remember something that specific? I don't even remember this. Clearly, that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, that right. whole young Jerry Lewis thing. I'm not quite sure. I can kind of understand that. Like, I don't know enough Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis is just that weirdo that the French like. That's that's what comes to mind. That's what made me get it. I went, who's the Jerry? Who's the female Jerry Lewis? Well, I guess Kate McKinnon in Ghostbusters was right, right. Yeah. But then so, yeah. the, the Jerry Lewis thing also made me think of another comedic actor that just tripped my brain in a different way. So is this guy, com- is this comedic actor a sublime nerd goddess? No, it is not. It's a dude who is no longer with us. Who's the young Jerry Lewis? No, it wouldn't be a young Jerry Lewis. I was just thinking of Anton Yelchin, a, a better. A better Jerry Lewis. Anyway, moving on. Just move on. Move on with the quiz. No well, more Jerry Lewis it. talk. The quiz is over. Kelly Wand won it. That's it. Uh, it, was, it was a one-question quiz. Yeah, you have to know. Which, <laughs> well, I'm, you I'm, have to know who Dargis was writing about. Dingus, what? <laughs> what oh, do you? What's, good lord, that was your quiz. That's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I, someone who was supposed to do the quiz. I'm filling in for someone here. Dingus. Oh, okay, fair you enough. Didn't, you didn't rise to the occasion, so that's all I had. That's all we had in the chamber this week. You're right, right. Um, I didn't so. rise to the occasion. Wait, I have a quiz. Who played? Well, uh, you Willie can save Rose. it for no, no. Okay. You can do yours when your assignment is up. Peter, all right, I'm sorry. Peter Weller. I was going to say in Kill Your Darlings. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Dingus, any guesses? <laughs> for Kill Your Darlings. Mm-hmm. No. It was Ben Foster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quiz. Which see? of you? Which of you can name the most bad moms? Uh, Dingus, probably. Because I, it's are, a movie. Is I actually, that a movie, or are you just asking me to? See, maybe yeah, me. It's a movie. Right. I, I I actually walked out of it this week. I was like, this you walked out of Bad Moms. I did. Holy and shit. you know why? Because. Oh wait, you, know um, you talked about Kristen Bell a couple of weeks ago, so it's probably Kristen Bell is in there. Very good. So so far, Dingus has named one bad mom. There are three of them in the movie. Kelly Wand. Can you name either the other two? In which case, it'll be tied. Uh, Olivia Thirlby. Kelly Wand has no idea. Kelly Wand, you know nothing. Eva Longoria. <laughs> the other bad moms are, and this is what surprised. So Catherine Hahn is one of them. That's why I walked into the movie. Oh, it, was, whoa. it was a double feature. I was there for something else, and I was like, I'm going to go see Bad Moms afterwards. Uh, so Catherine Hahn is in it, but she's so terrible. They're so they did it. They oh, just, I love her so much. Though. I, I do too, but they're making her do this kind of crass Rebel Wilson stuff, which just didn't work at all. Uh, and she, I mean, she's throwing her heart into it. And she's giving it her all, but it's just. Catherine Hahn is just so likable, and they're trying to make her like a, a big mouth slob kind of character. Uh, but then the other bad mom, and here's why, why I ultimately left. Jessica. They're, they think that Mila Kunis is funny. Uh, <laughs> no. Why? Uh, and I left. Because of that 70s show, probably. 
She wasn't funny on that. And I left because well, I there's a there's it. a scene where they're trying to do the shtick where she's completely awkward and no guy wants anything to do with her because she keeps doing things like talking about her kids or mentioning breastfeeding or being awkward. Uh, The the movie thinks that a super hot chick like Mila Kunis, if she says something dumb, a dude won't want to sleep with her. (laughs) Like that was, that was a whole joke. There was all uh, like a montage of dudes like wanting nothing to do with her because she said something stupid when she is out trying quote to get laid. Uh, so mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, you know what, movie, screw you. I, if you're if you're not going to appreciate how funny Catherine Hahn can be, and if you're going to try to sell Mila Kunis as someone who can't get laid and who's a really funny actress, I, I'm not interested. I I've seen my one movie. I got my money's worth. I'm going home. What's the premise? Is are they going after? Are they cougars going after young dudes? Uh, it's the premise is, hey, women. You know what thing is? It's that crass ceiling thing. It's it's uh, people making a movie trying to bump up against that, and this movie is way too sweet and good natured for that. But the idea is that Mila Kunis gets fed up with how difficult women have it being moms. So she and Kristen Bell and Catherine Hahn take a pledge that they're going to be bad moms. They're just going to suck at being moms for you know, uh, forever. And so. What? Yeah, it's a revolution. They're just yeah. refusing to be good moms. You mean they're not going to be good parents? They're going to hurt. No, them. no, that's yeah. right. So they're bumping up against the crass ceiling. Is they're still being super. They're doing. They're being nice to kids. It's just they're going to do things like go out and get laid and not clean up around the house and be slobs like their husbands. Oh, yeah. well, what, wasn't there um, a movie with a, a similar slant with? With dudes like uh, what do yeah it was uh, something like the that. hall path it was hall path no no it was like a bunch of dads walking around with kids well I think what they're cashing in on is this idea of like like bad Santa bad teacher uh, bad bad something yeah but there was bad a similar grandpa. thing with with a bunch of dads like walking around with their kids like what to expect when you're expecting or something like that that might be it yeah. I don't know what it was but it seemed like it was sort of along those same lines well it's one that but didn't it was the, it was worthy of you walking out. Bad Moms was – whatever that what to expect when you're expecting. It didn't have Katherine Hahn in it, so I didn't sneak into it for a second movie and uh, had no desire to see that did, one. Did you like her in um, Parks and Rec? I'm going to say – what you could have just ended the sentence right there with did you like her in, and okay, I would have said yes because I know you weren't going to ask about Bad Moms. Uh, I don't think you can say you're a Katherine Hahn fan until you've seen Afternoon Delight, so I don't want to hear it from either right. of you gentlemen uh, in which it, – it's another one of those things where she's not being a comedian. Like it's an actual – I mean, it's funny. It's a, it's a it's a kind of a comedy, and it has a, a little edge to it. Uh, but she's the lead in it, and uh, she uh, she tries to take care of. She tries to basically uh, befriend a prostitute slash stripper played by Juno Temple, um, and no. she's she's kind of an uptight soccer mom. Uh, and it's it's awesome. Uh, it might be Jill Soloway, the 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 woman who does the uh, oh shoot, transparent. What's the thing where Jeffrey Tambor is a transgender? Yeah, transparent. You're right. Yeah. So Jill Soloway, who I think is the woman behind Transparent, uh, did Afternoon Delight, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a great movie with Katherine Hahn that nobody saw. So hmm. I don't see movies set in that time of day. Well, speaking of movies that you do see, <laughs> Kelly Wand, Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners what we all saw this week? <sighs> this week we saw Mechanic, colon, Resurrection. Not The Mechanic, colon, Resurrection. No, it's his name. Mechanic, colon, Resurrection, a 2016 American action crime thriller sequel movie about blowing up boats and looking through binoculars. <laughs> it was directed by Dennis Gansel. Kelly, can you pronounce that name better than I? Gansel! 
<laughs> can you can you give me a German pronunciation on Dennis Gonzalez? Dennis Gonzalez. All right, very good. Schmeichel. <laughs> That's fine. And written by Philip Shelby and Tony Mosher, with story credit to Brian Pittman, based on characters by Louis John Carlino and Rachel Long. It stars Jason Statham, Jessica Alba, Michelle Yeoh, uh-huh. and Sam Hazeltine. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mechanic Resurrection is rated R. <laughs> is what? Rated, is rated R. I knew, or, right? I know. I can tell you exactly when I knew it was rated R, but go ahead, Dingus. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's rated R for violence throughout mm-hmm. and language. Mm-hmm. Language is used in it. Okay. German yeah. language. There's an, there's an M or F-er. Well, there, there, there's several F-bombs, and the very first one, because it was way too frivolous for its one PG-13 F-bomb, the very first F-bomb, I was like, oh, this is a rated R movie. Cool. Yeah, yeah but they, they totally squandered the opportunity. Uh, it, it, well, anyway, moving on. Yeah, wow. A, a squandered opportunity in this movie, Dingus? I don't – I can't imagine. It's surprising <laughs> to me. It's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> Mechanic Resurrection opened at number five. <laughs> Opening weekend. Short circuit. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. It made $7.5 million. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, of all of the reviews, 21% of them are positive. Mm. On, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it's at 42. Ugh. I mean, hmm. Kelly Dude. Wand, speaking of ugh, why don't you give us your Mechanispis resbopsis. Wait, you're not looking forward to it? Oh, believe me, I don't even need... Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's, There was not a single moment in the movie that I didn't think... You weren't looking forward to the office. Yeah, that I didn't think, oh, I can't wait for this office. Yep. Uh. (laughs) I was thinking two things, like, oh, God, when is this over? And, oh, God, I can't wait for this office. Hmm. Yeah. At the same time. Yep. They often go hand in hand. Just like Statham does with Alba. <laughs> well. I mean, uh, <clears throat> uh, wait, do you have any guesses what it's called? Uh, the one I, I already gave you, I don't know that I could repeat because it was so freeform. It was like doing jazz. So that was my guess. All right. That wasn't my tempo, but. <laughs> <laughs> was he lagging? <laughs> Kelly Wan, I'm a single tier kind of guy. <laughs> SIFTP. <laughs> Did you guys see uh, the trailer with uh, Emma Stone for the, the Damien Chazelle's La La Land, that movie? What? No. Is so, any of that true? Yeah, the Whiplash guy. His next movie is called La La Land, and it's Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma Stone. In what I stopped watching, but it looks like a musical about actors coming to Los Angeles. Um, and it looks uh, super awesome. It's a December release, so I'm guessing they're bucking for Academy Awards. But Oh, good. It looked really sweet, and it was oh, basically... Exciting. It was just Emma Stone doing a musical number with uh, with scenes from the movie. So I stopped watching and just listened to the song. It was awesome. Was she dancing? I don't know. I was listening. Yeah, Tom's already sure. said too much. Do not ask him. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just worried I might not happening? see it. The two of you. What What are you two doing? I don't know. I want to wa- watch the trailer in my head all of a sudden. It made me I'm... think of how terrible uh, Crazy Stupid Love was, though, unfortunately. 
because mm. they're both they're the they're the romantic pairing in, in that in, in they're one of the romantic pairings in that stupid movie. That's the only movie on German Netflix I haven't watched yet, so I keep <laughs> circling around like a buzzard. Right. Well, couples should be tied together. I'm just letting you guys know that. Uh, it's not saving things for the podcast. This is. You <laughs> saw that in English. Never mind. All right. Are you ready for this? We are so ready. Warning The following is based on the German dub version watched on Hamburg's Excuse for Weed. Five years previously, not on the quarter to three movie podcast, Ben Foster pulls out a gun at a gas station while Statham sits in a truck facing him. So long, Jason Statham. Since you trained me so well, I doubt that you will see or smell all of this gasoline. I'm worried I'll get stuck like that. It's too late. You have. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you. Yeah. While Statham gets out of the truck, Foster blows up the empty truck by shooting gasoline with a bullet, then goes to Statham's house, starts a record, and rather than listening to it, gets into Statham's sports car. It's <laughs> not even the movie yet. <laughs> As the house behind him explodes, he looks in the rear view and goes, Why are you blowing up your house? <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> Your record collections in there. He explodes at the wheel. <laughs> while the unharmed car keeps driving. Ben Foster's burning body parts and pedantic tones spurted us from the blast, spelling out mechanic resoropsis, period. My translator's all, resurrection? He didn't die in the first one. I shush her. Nag, nag, nag. While we wait 20 minutes for the movie to start, a plus-sized blonde German woman plops into the seat two rows ahead of us, lugging an enormous plush purple stuffed dinosaur animal that she sticks in the drink holder and promptly begins talking to. I lean over to Danny Trejo's vest sitting beside me and go, no one goes stag to a mechanic sequel. Some words on screen are all Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. My translator's all something in Spanish. Statham takes out Statham takes out a record on his houseboat and starts to play the movie's theme song on his phonograph, but acoustics suck on boats, so he goes ashore and eventually finds a terrace with a brunette sitting at a table on it. (laughs) He sits down across from her with an ice-cool fart. Statham's all, damn, a brunette woman, how'd you find me? She's all, you're in Rio, idiot. Plus, just bleaching your beard dark, you're supposed to be a genius escape artist assassin, not Scott Peterson. Plus, that footage of you exiting the car before it exploded in the last movie was all over the news, remember? The headlines all said real sneaky there. Did you even see the first movie? He's all, look, that foster kid was just upset because I had killed his dad, Donald Sutherland, because I was dumb. So I had to put him down and me record collection and me car and me house. That way it looks like an accident. Although overall, I still consider me crank high-voltage character the smartest. She holds up a phone and shows him a picture of an explosion. She's all, that's also something that happened in the last movie. And unless you hit me with a table in the next few seconds, this too will be on the front page of every newspaper in the world tomorrow. No headline. Statham raises his unibrow and instantly notices three men out of the hundreds surrounding them. She's all, as you can see, no man has an answer to three men. 
and a lady. He flips the table into her face and tricks the three men into shooting at him by running onto a cable car roof. The woman rides the cable car and shoots at the roof, away from his footfalls, but he tricks her by moving. (laughs) Irritated, she finally breaks the cable car's window and starts to climb up onto the roof so she's close enough for him to punch her. But he tricks her again by not weighing enough to have any effect on a passing hang glider. (laughs) (laughs) The hang glider enthusiast shouts, I didn't feel anything just now. Inches above him, clinging to the lack of handholds on the top of the glider, Statham grins at us. He's all, weightlessness, that's why they call me a mechanic. The hang glider enthusiast is all, huh? As Statham looks back and grins at the brunette woman on the cable car, along with the 30 other cable car passengers reacting in docile silence off screen, (laughs) he's all, ha ha, I didn't shoot you. Plus, this red hang glider happens to be going right where I felt like going. To celebrate his victory, he blows up his new record collection and boat. Some words also made out of Ben Foster's body parts are all wherever we shot the upcoming Bangkok beach scenes. Statham gets off a boat and joins an old friend, staggering gracefully along the shore. When she reaches him, she's all, I haven't changed your sheets in seven years, white man! Oh, man, really? I saw it in German, that's how it sounded. He smiles at her and goes, Michelle Yeo, our characters know each other. I can't wait for the scene where your martial arts skills are employed effectively. (laughs) What a treat. The camera hastily cuts to her yawning as she walks over to a counter and stands there until Jessica Alba comes in, covered in one bruise. (laughs) Alba's all, hi, I'd like to buy some brochures. Statham stares at Alba's bruise angrily until it gulps, then scowls at the man in the boat Alba just got off of, both the boat and the man. Some subtitles under Statham's angrier-than-normal eyes are all, If there's one thing I won't abide, it's a man flipping a table into a chick's face for any reason. (laughs) The guy in the boat looks at Alba's brochures. He's all... (laughs) Everyone continues staring at each other until night falls. Then Statham swims out to the boat and kills the guy by punching him once. (laughs) Alba walks up to Statham and faints, or gets bored. He somehow carries her across the water and into his bungalow, while Bay Link shakes her head with annoyance at her. <laughs> So much for white sheets now, white man! <laughs> After ditching Alba on his bed, Statham turns on the internet and types Alba. Some words are all open folder, question mark. Another word beside it's all decline, question mark. He thinks for a second, then clicks a random one. After reading a couple sentences for a couple hours, his eyes narrow even more than normal. Some subtitles beneath his eyes are all nothing. (laughs) Statham grabs a gun. (laughs) Uh, You should see it. You guys are missing out. Statham grabs a gun, looks at Alba on his bed, shoots the mattress a few times, and goes, Damn, missed. Right, now what's a girl who looks like you doing on a boat with a man? She's all, you were in an orphanage once. There was another orphan named after a crane. You left. He vowed revenge, but not to pursue it for 40 years. But instead of just killing you, he hired me to get punched by that guy on the boat so you'd fall in love with my bruise. He's all, I am in lust with him. He steps forward and growling, struggles furiously to remove his flip-flops as the camera hastily cuts him sitting on the beach the next day. <laughs> Bei Ling scowls at them from a nearby massage table. Don't forget to return your towels or happy endings normal priced. 
Statham looks at us and goes, hey, why do we skip me sex scene? We showed it the last one. Was I not supposed to dye me hair down under? The candor camera hastily cuts to Alba's bikini. She's all, I used to be a mercenary. Yeah, my character, not Yeo's. But then I got sidetracked into orphanages. Wait, hang on, I gotta do this. She gets up and gives us an ass shot as she jumps to the water. She swims underwater in slow motion without a breathing mask for ten minutes while Statham goes into his trailer and stares blankly at a wall. The wall wins. <laughs> Later that night, he stands in Bayling's tiki bar till Alba walks up to him. He's all, is it just me, Jessica Alba, or is the screen coming alive right now from our intoxicating chemistry? It's like a character's being consumed with passion, like with dingoes, and they're babies. She's all, well, was this her Machete 3 shot in TJ? Bayling prances up, ties a rope around both of them, and goes, now you both my slaves! <laughs> yeah. Jesus, really? What you said in German, I don't know. It, it, Oh my god. <laughs> Here, drink this glue! She hands him a bowl of paste and tiptoes off screen into a tank with a crash. Statham's all, hey Jessica, check this out. He sticks his finger in the glue, then jabs her painfully in the forehead with his glue covered fingertip. Grimly, a pair of dead white eyes on her temples with the glue. He's all, all this it's talks really jawed loose, me little orphan Annie fetish. She giggles, then dabs her finger, then her whole hand, and smears glue all over his face and chest. She giggles, now you look the way Kelly likes to picture me. He's all, I feel like a young girl again. Aren't we whimsical for a pair of trained killers? She's all, bet your dancing sucks ass. Statham sneers and leads her to the dance floor and starts trying to dance, just as the camera hastily cuts away. <laughs> There's another sex scene between their body doubles. Just as the doubles look up startled to see it's filming them through the window, we duck down and cut hastily to Alba cutting Freaking <laughs> goddamn it. <laughs> Alba collecting seashells along the seashore while Statham tans his knees on a nearby lounge chair. <laughs> She's all stupid clams. I won't be happy till every beach is free of their vile clutter. Why do I need to hear the ocean inside a shell? I'm already at the ocean. Statham's all, that's great, honey. By the way, here's a watch me dad gave me. It doesn't mean shit to me, so I thought I'd give it to you. She's all, your dad? I thought we just set up here an orphan. Suddenly a boat from the cops with sea guns putters ominously more into view. <laughs> Bei Ling walks gravely up and goes, I burned your sheets! <laughs> Love triangle. Statham grabs Alba lovingly by the lips and growls, Whatever you do, don't do anything for the rest of the movie. I'll find you dead <laughs> along. <laughs> done too much already but i promise i won't let them capture me do you trust me he scampers off the cops effortlessly club statham and out submission then take both of them to a room with a villain in it <laughs> the brunette girl from the cable car misadventure frisks statham's crotch but doesn't find anything as she does his ass he's all i'm enjoying that as she starts to reply, the camera hastily cuts to Statham being tricked into sitting in a chair made out of handcuffs. <laughs> the villain walks on screen, sneering smugly in his evil black socks. He's all, well, well, the mechanic. Looks like your uh, vintage chassis model's been restored. 
state them all. We just went with resurrection, like marketing told me. It may not sound mechanic themed, but I'm also Christ like due to me love of blowing up record albums. Plus my new beard color. The villains all. <laughs> Same old mechanic. Now enough math. You will kill three people for me in 36 hours. So I will continue holding Jessica Alba hostage and making you talk to her on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Statham's all. Fuck you, Crane, whatever your last name is. I only kill for money. The villain's all. Your first target's this guy, my black friend Raul. He's being held in a hellish island prison in Malaysia, surrounded by man-eating sharks. <laughs> oh, and my last name is also Crane. Really? Sharks in Malaysia? Making this look like natural causes should be pretty easy then. Sounds like you don't even need me on this one. The camera cuts hastily some words that say back lot. Statham disguises himself by putting on a hat. Then he gets put into the Malaysian island prison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at what I have. I'm laughing at it's in the movie. I remember. By pretending to be drunk in a street. Later. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jason Statham, thank you once again for saving my life by throwing that knife just as that assassin was about to kill me. I must confess, for half a second there, I thought you were also an assassin. The fuck accent's that? <laughs> it sounds like one of the pneumonians from Phantom uh, Menace. Is that legal? Back <laughs> <clears> to <throat> uh, being sounding black. I thought you were also an assassin. <clears throat> like an idiot. State themselves. Don't rub it in. Although it does seem equally inexplicable that you would somehow know an assassin would just happen to make an attempt on my life at that particular moment and have the foresight to steal a knife for just such an occasion. Inexplicability's my maiden name. Ha, oh, well said. But as you can see, the trick to sautéing onions is to coat the bottom of the pan with olive oil or a mixture of olive oil and butter, about one teaspoon per onion. Heat the pan on medium-high heat until the oil is shimmering. Add the onion slices and stir to coat the onions with the oil. Spread the onions out evenly over the pan and let cook, stirring occasionally. Statham <laughs> finishes choking him, then tricks the prison guards in the black man's private army by escaping. That night on TV, a newscaster's all. And in cooking news, Malaysian authorities at first concluded Royal's death to be accidental. But as you can see from this astounding footage captured by prison security cameras, here is actor Jason Statham blowing a hole through the prison wall immediately afterwards. Coming up, the testimony of the dozen guards who shot at him, and the sharks confused by his beard dye. The villain switches off the TV, then turns to Statham. Statham's all. Guess you could say he didn't find prison onions appealing. The villain's all. You were supposed to make his death look like an accident, you idiot. <laughs> but if you thought watching a man cook was tough, now for your second target. A man so evil he swims very high up. Oh, wait, do you want to talk to Alba first? She says she has a lot more backstory to tell you. <laughs> eh, where's this pool? I have a wet man to surprise. <laughs> Later... And in swimming news today, Statham attempted to conceal himself by keeping only to plain view through transparent glass, then tricked some swimming pool water into falling by cutting open a hole beneath it. <laughs> the words of both the security guards who saw it happen, along with the occupants of the offices and elevators, Statham walked through drip wet on his way out. This was no accident. The villain angrily shuts off the TV again and scowls at Statham. Statham's all... I guess you could say there's no pee in our ool. We'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk. That's this character. 
the villains all. <laughs> I know I should be upset, not only by all the calls I'm now getting from law enforcement grilling me about your beard color, but here is your third target. Submarine enthusiast Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> He's the only one of your targets played by a famous actor. She'll have no possible bearing on his fate for the rest. <laughs> but there's Jessica Alba. In a room, a guard adjusts a video camera, so it's aimed at Jessica Alba. She's all, hey, behind you. He whirls around. Huh? Quickly, she twists the camera until she somehow knows it's focused on a decal in the window behind her. The guard turns around, scratching his head. Then he shrugs. She's all, I guess I'm insane. He looks through the camera and goes, okay, roll him. Alba's all, Jason, it's me, Jessica. This watch you gave me is dumb, by the way. Why'd you think we had the same size wrists? The guard's all, hey, this isn't your face through the viewfinder. It's a decal in that window. In the villain's room, Statham squints at the decal on the video screen and grins triumphantly at the villain. He's all, boat number one, two, three, four. Now all I have to do is write that down and memorize it, and there's nothing you can do about it except move her to a different location or just move the boat. Do you have a pen I can borrow? It's a scratch paper. Also, can you run the video again? The villain's all, damn it. <laughs> but getting back to Tommy Lee Jones, kill him. He blinks, looks confused. Statham, where'd you go? Statham's all, standing right in front of you. He grins and walks off screen while the villain fumes. Meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones is in a bathrobe. Some guards rush in and go, sir, something exploded. We have to get you in an elevator at once. Statham rides a gadget down an elevator shaft, kills all of Tommy Lee Jones' bodyguards. Then walks up to him and goes, let's work together. I have the perfect trick to make him think you're dead. As Tommy starts to answer, the camera hastily cuts to Statham starting to respond, then hastily to something exploding. <laughs> to fool the villain, they blow up all of Tommy Lee Jones' submarines in record collection. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeps working. Then Statham gets back into his frogman suit and swims in the ocean until he finds a boat with the villain and Alba on it. Me and it. Minutes later, boss, Statham tricked us by coming aboard and shooting us. We tried to shoot back, but he used a rubber raft to repel our automatic weapons fire. See, he was spinning around in it really slowly, and we only shot during the intervals when he wasn't facing us. <laughs> Don't worry, though. I decided to fight fire with fire, beat him at his own game, so I set a bomb to blow up our boat here, along with your record collection. Uh, should we kill Alba yet? Hostage-wise, she's pretty useless at this point. <laughs> Statham, why you? Ha! <laughs> huh. While your guard there was talking, I tied you up with this chain here. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a feeling that bomb of yours is going to explode in three, two, one. The villain's all, mechanic! He explodes, but the boat's fine. Statham tricks the explosion by being off screen when it happens. Alba, in a random helicopter being piloted by Bay Lang nearby, goes, Statham! <laughs> As she starts to say something else, the camera cuts hastily to Alban Statham getting married. The priest is all. And do you, Jason, take Alba to be your lawful wedded love interest till the end of the shot? Statham's all. I guess you could say when I was dodging those bullets in the raft, Crane felt like a real dinghy. The wedding guests cheer and throw rice. Meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones clicks on an internet picture of a boat diagram, then clicks on the Statham-shaped silhouette with the discolored beard crouched in a cubbyhole of the diagram. Beside it, some arrows and measurements say Statham inches. 
Tommy Lee Jones smiles cheerfully at the possible survival of this man he's met once for a few minutes who blew up all his subs, then clicks to some footage of himself sitting at a different monitor screen in Jason Bourne. Slowly at the same moment, both Joneses lower their index fingers and hit scroll lock. The end. (sighs) (sighs) So you got all that from seeing it in German. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No. (laughs) Yeah, there must have been some great dialogue. Mm. Some quips. I usually feel resentful. Like, man, in English, this would be totally different and missing everything. But in this, it was like, yeah, I'm good. And then there was one thing that I caught on that you missed, but now I couldn't care less because I just laughed too much. What was it? I don't remember right now. Mm. It's just a little plot point. It, it, not that it matters, but you caught pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, I've dingus paid attention to plot points. Yeah, I had someone translating explain it to me, and then I just told her, "Yeah, actually, just I can make up my own." <laughs> When she when uh, when Michelle Yeoh ties the rope around them in the bar, right? Mm-hmm. What what was that? The custom. <laughs> it's just like some uh, ritual. It was, it was a tie dancing. dance. Yeah. She's supposed to tie them together because couples should be tied together. Because she saw them walking down the beach hand in hand. Uh, it doesn't matter that you know, he, he's seen everybody that is going to try to kill them offshore, and so she ties them together with this rope. And they put these, uh, this little paint or whatever it is. It's a ritual thing that does. I was hoping that stuff would last for the whole movie. But yeah, it's just her tying them together because she thinks they're a couple. This movie's about their love story. It's not. Which, though. well, it felt like a lot of it. One, just even just in the German version, like a lot's like because I saw it was like now you see me too. Where I watched the first movie right before the sequel, and both times I came away going, "Wait, the first movie's kind of good, and then the sequel's terrible." But maybe the first one's not good. I don't know. I like no, I like things about the first one, and I, I definitely prefer Jason Statham vehicles where he's not the only driver. Like uh, seeing Ben yeah. Foster sort of be half of the mix. Does a lot for the first movie. Yeah, and in this he had no one to play off of. Right, right. Unless, unless Michelle Yeoh and he were shooting Sparks in English. No, like she just is was, out of the movie. I know she just goes missing. The it's like the movie forgets that she's in it. Yeah, and then at the end she comes back to I guess read a postcard or something. But yeah, she just vanished. Um, no meaningful yo in this, right? Uh, Terrible action. I don't like how, and he's a really. I find this. I, I don't know. I find physically strong heroes kind of boring compared to like Bruce Willis and Die Hard or Indiana Jones who have to like figure shit out. But even if for Statham characters, this is my least favorite by far. Like compared to his crank guy, like that guy seems more individualistic. The crank though, the, the crank movies have such a distinct tone that I think right. it's a lot it has more to do with the directors yeah. uh, than the the lead actor. Uh, and the problem with most Statham movies is that the movie stuff is just inconsequential and it's just a Statham vehicle. Uh, and which I find it, it makes no sense because I don't I don't think the guy can carry a movie. Uh, he doesn't have that sort of. I mean, it it makes as much sense to me as like a Chuck Norris movie. I don't understand those. Um, so yeah, I don't. This you say this is your least favorite Statham movie. I mean that my over and unders are uh, are Statham vehicles. 
Uh, and I think the only, the only ones that are good are accidentally good for reasons that generally have nothing to do with him. Right. Um, there's one called Homefront where James Franco's the villain. And it, it's one of those things where it seemed like James Franco was just goofing around and wanted to do, hey, I'll be a villain in an action movie. Let me try this. The stakes were so low for him. Uh, Winona Ryder is, the, is his sort of junky sidekick in it. Uh, and, and that was a memorable bit, bit of the movie that had nothing to do with Jason Statham. I mean, the, the times when he's on the screen, it just kind of falls flat. Um, yeah. But it's also like Spectre where I don't even think what he's doing is that smart. But we're supposed to go, oh, see, he's always five steps ahead of him. Well, that's the – I mean I think that's the source material they're going for. The, the original mechanic is all about that, and they, I guess, tried to preserve a little bit of that in the second movie. But this movie has nothing to do with it. Like this movie yeah. could be any generic Statham character, yeah. and he's not an assassin in this movie. He's mm-hmm. running around Rambo-style action hero stuff having to shoot out in a submarine base. I mean he right. – they seem to think this is his James Bond moment or something. Yeah. This idea that he's a smart assassin makes no sense. And even yeah. the one cool kill, uh, the that weird uh, skyscraper swimming pool, that was ripped off straight out of a Hitman game. Um, there's there's a, mm. a Hitman game where there's a, a there's all these people in an elevated uh, hot tub with a glass bottom, and you, one of the ways you can kill them is to blow up the bot, is to collapse the bottom of the hot tub, and they plummet to their deaths. Well, doesn't uh, this whole thing feel like a video game, though? I mean, uh, in addition to the way they uh, they feather in all of Crane's um, voiceover as he's trying to as he's getting missions. I mean, to me, it just feels like missions that you're. And I obviously don't know video games the way you guys do, but I've played. Enough to know that it, it feels like this is your mission. This is what you have to do. This is the, these are the, these are the obstacles. Uh, this is what the fortress is going to look like. Uh, these are all of the different things you're going to have to overcome in order to go through this particular level of the game. I mean, it, it just constantly and even in that moment in the when he gets when he gets into the prison and the the camera like pulls way way back to this overhead view of like. A bunch of little ants running around. Uh, it it looks like a video game. It feels like a video game. Yeah, I don't think the template's a video game so much as a heist movie. Like they wanted to cram in three different heists. Uh, you know, video games are certainly episodic like that sometimes, Dingus. But I, I don't think that's the template here. I mean, I think they're really just going for, hey, we're going to spell out that this is an impossible place for someone to get into. Here's an impossible task, and then you're going to see how smart he is when he actually does it. Uh, and normally you take a whole movie to do something like that, and this they just sort of shorthand wanted to do three little heists, basically. Because um, he's on a time limit arbitrarily. Yeah, yeah. And that shot, Dingus, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I have become increasingly aware of this sort of thing. Uh, I see shots. Like, it used to be that you would see in a, in a movie where you would know that the production had a crane to play with for like a day or two. So there's gratuitous crane shots. Uh Crane, the new crane shots are drone shots, and they're yep. all over the place. You can totally – like helicopters used to be you, – you'd know it was a helicopter shot. Nowadays, I'm curious, like, okay, did they actually get a helicopter or no? That's just a cheap drone shot they did. Uh, and I think that's that was what that prison scene was. It was like, hey, let's, let's put a camera on a drone and send it up and get a big overhead shot. Like it makes that whole idea of pulling way back super cheap, super accessible for anybody who wants to do it, whether or not it fits uh, – you know, you see that in TV shows even these days. Uh, it's the drone shot. Um, 
But I, I agree with what you're saying about the James. It, it feels like James Bond Redux, especially because of Mark Isham's score. Um, it, he did the score for the first, the first remake. Um, and he did, but there's several moments now, especially whenever he's in a helicopter for some strange reason, flying around with some guy who looks like uh, a Michael Caine knockoff. Dingus, that's uh, not a helicopter. That's the mechanicopter. No, uh, the mechanicopter. Uh, it feels like it feels like knockoff James Bond music. It feels yeah. like that dunna ba dunna dunna. It feels like really terribly cribbed James Bond music. Well, even the way they play with like Bishop, like that's his name. Like it's supposed to be uh, so, something that bad guys know that everybody's aware of who Bishop is. Like Bishop, mm-hmm. it's like a brand. <laughs> but boy, uh, I, I, you know, watching the first movie again this week. Not the first, not the 1972 version, but the the Ben Foster one. Um, I kind of I kind of liked the whole Bishop thing because the prostitute that he's courting in that movie, he she finally's like, "What is your name?" and he says, "Arthur." And she's like, "Ah, that's not your name. I'm going to call you Brad or David. You seem like a Brad or a David." And then he gives her a dog, and she's like, "I'm going to call him Arthur." His name is Arthur, which is such a goofy name, but you're right. He goes by Bishop. Because that sounds way cooler, and this is this is his James Bond moment, yeah. yeah. And and the way with like it plays with all the locations, like you know, now we're in Rio, now we're in Thailand. Hey, we're going to Sydney. Whoa, this yeah, is some yeah, in sure. Romania. Yeah, he's like a globe-trotting superhero, but not superhero, like spy action hero. Oh Even my though gosh, he's that, on a super tight time limit too. But that that first that first uh, the location with Michelle Yeoh did feel like, hey, uh, can we get ourselves out to this little island and just do a movie over here? Because this is going to be super fun to do a movie over here because this is a really nice location. It felt like a bunch of locations that somebody just wanted to stay some to get somebody to fund them to go to for a few weeks. It was just really weird. Yeah. Unlike something like Born Supremacy, which starts at this beautiful Beats location and then moves on into an actual story, this felt like a bunch of like, uh, okay, we're going to move to a bunch of cool locations just because somebody wants to go to a bunch of cool locations because there's no real story to support it. And I think it was also that idea too that there are going to be you know three distinct missions, three distinct heists. You know, where this one's in uh, Malaysia, this one's in Australia, this one's in Romania. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just going for this like episodic. Because that's uh, like a hitman movie. That's kind of a thing you do. Is like these are the hitman's targets. Like this is his target. Uh, watch yeah. how he kills him. Right. Um, Why should we care if he doesn't kill the Tommy Lee Jones character? No, I don't get that. I don't I, get any of that. I think Why that matter. Yeah, the narrative just jumped the rails at that how point. Goofy, how goofy does he look? It's so funny to see him after Jason Bourne. Looking like that with those earrings and that the hair, the soul patch that he's got. On. He just looks yeah. such a ding dong. I mean, what the hell is going on with him in this movie? Wait, it's like Samuel Jackson. And what is the uh, that that? Oh, it's one where he lisps in the in Kingsman. the um, Kingsman yeah, with Colin Kingsman. Perk. Yeah, it's just yeah. like let's let's hire an actor and just have him be as ridiculous as can be. Uh, to, yeah, uh, <laughs> poor Tommy Lee Jones. Because we can't write him anything. Uh, I did you guys catch the deal? So when he escapes from Malaysia, and they show, and this is because he's so smart, they show the stuff that he's buying, and he he sets up the the transponder thing shark and the cigarette. Yeah, it's called the no shark. shark. It was a yeah. No shark. Are you are you getting it? it there's a. I remember because the billboard in it for it's in English, and I remember it says something like, "Are you tired of getting attacked by sharks? Try this repellent." <laughs> 
I just love the idea like it's a, of a prison thing. being surrounded by shark repel, uh, shark infested waters. I just mm-hmm. would love for one of these movies to go, okay, this prison is surrounded by trout infested waters. Okay, well, whatever. And it's so gratuitous too. Like he rips off his shirt at one point. And I'm like, why is he ripping off his shirt? I mean, we know he's cut. Okay, and then he's rubbing stuff on him. And it took me a minute to figure out. Oh, they're showing us him applying the shark repellent. Yeah, that he picked up. It looks like he look. He looks like he's picking up like a, a thing of gel. Yeah, or like suntan lotion. Like it, it's, it right. really does. Like if you didn't, if you hadn't seen the can of no shark that that he puts in the dapper Dan tin or whatever that is, uh, it, it it really looks like he's putting on suntan lotion before he goes into the pool. Like that's what that yeah. shot looks like. But there's music, like James Bond music. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> As this movie got boring, from boring, I just kept wishing: is the, is a shark going to show up at any point? Please. They had no budget uh, for that thing. Is yeah. They, oh, yeah, I just wanted a shark to jump up and. Grab Cain uh, or Clane or Crane, whatever his stupid name was. We promised you sharks, but you get me rubbing myself. <laughs> That's the payoff. The where, which one of these kills was supposed to be? Was supposed to be an accident. Which one was supposed to be seen? He's a mechanic. Which one He's of mechanic. them? Yeah. That's his specialty. Is it looks you never know he was there. That's his he, line of the first movie. Why didn't he just let the amputee assassin kill the dude? <laughs> oh my god, that was ridiculous. The guy gets into prison with a fake arm, like some cyborg arm, and under his hand glove is a big old knife. What yeah. movie was that out of? That did not belong in this movie. What was going on? Where, what movie did he step in from? It, was it felt ridiculous. like a, like a, like John Carpenter making a joke about something. It felt like a Goldmember reference, like an Austin Powers thing Very or good, something. Yeah. 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 But God, why don't was... he just let that dude do it and then move on? I mean, it's a prison kill. Who cares? Thing is, you have a point. You're right. Cause that would, that would be an accident. That's not, yeah. I guess you know what thing is. Stop the guy from doing that. No, because the plot yeah. is. And no, here's the here's why. I this this script is, is airtight. Here's why. Because <laughs> then the people who were who didn't for whatever reason want that that uh, prison guy whose name is Krill by the way assassinated. Yeah, Krill, they shrimp. would they would think that the amputee had been hired. Like it had to look like nobody was hired to kill the guy. Even though yeah. the amputee, like they set up some backstory, like oh, he killed his brother or whatever. Well, so he wasn't hired. Was his former employee. I mean, and and everybody in the prison, even the the dude that that Jason Statham immediately makes friends with, is like, yes, he was employed by him, and now he hates him. Everybody knows all of this. Yeah. Yeah, but he might have been paid. This, is, this script is airtight. They they thought this out. They the bodyguards it. going. Oh, he's fine because he's a cyborg who used to who hates our our boss. So we'll let former employee through. though, and he's yeah, he's probably like signed the equivalent of like a prison employee NDA or whatever. Like hey, but Statham I, I didn't know that guy. Try to shank you if you yeah. How did Statham know that guy was going to do that though? Uh, that was in some briefing that he because got. no because the old dude that he's sitting down with right, 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 right. tells him about it. Yeah. All right, and all right. that's why he picks the. Picks the fat guy's pocket to get the shiv, <laughs> which is super easy for him to do. By the way, all he has to do to get the shiv is to nudge some guy into another guy. Pick some guy's how, pocket. That's how picking a pocket works. I don't know what movies you've been watching. <laughs> I yeah, love and the swimming pool. He isn't there. Just shouldn't, don't you just wait for the guy to come out of the building and then snipe him? No, because then you know it's an assassination. Oh, right. I love that there's footage. There's 
video footage of the guy falling from the pool, but there's no video video footage of Spider-Man hanging from this pool overhead. The thing is, people yeah. don't look up. Apparently, it's a known fact. Even when that happens, because his uh, his paranoia is only what is it? His paranoia is only equaled by his uh, ego, and that's why he has a penalty for. Oh, this right. thing is paying attention to the dialogue. Yeah. I love that he put on safety goggles before he drilled the little hole. Like he's yeah. he's dangling from the skyscraper yeah. up there, and he takes a moment to put on safety goggles. Check the eyes. Yeah, before he drills the little tiny hole that the charge goes into. So the chlorine in the water might sting the eyes right. too. So. But but we're going to let you all know that this guy is a is a terrible person who is uh, in human being. Yeah. Everybody's that. terrible that we're going to kill. Don't worry. Anybody that Jason Statham's going to kill is bad. He's a hero. They deserve right. it. Right, right. You got it. You can only kill people who deserve killing. I hate that so much. And that's what's wrong with movies today. They always do that. They soften things. Please, 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 do you do you care? I could not care one whit about whether or not this stupid movie was softened, though. No, but that's like, least no, I, could, I couldn't either. But I don't understand this whole no women, no children. And we talked about this la- uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Suicide Squad and how much I hated. Uh, is it Deathstroke? Is that his name? Uh, Deadpool. Deadshot. 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 Thank you, Deadshot. Deadshot. Uh, how much is it's like I won't kill women or children. All right, fine. What the hell? And for some reason, and and I watched Leon the Professional this week, um, just because I needed something to make me feel better after watching this movie. Um, <laughs> and his his credo is as well: no women, no children. Why why do assassins get to to determine that? And then they're still feared. Like just send a woman assassin against him, and then you're fine. See, the thing is, I don't or think assassin. I don't think assassins determine that. It's uh, lead characters in stories where the character is supposed to be sympathetic decide that. Right, right. Yeah. You can only kill men who deserve it. Uh, so that's why my over, by the way, is a Jason Statham vehicle called – and Kelly Wan, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I've told you to. I think you saw it. Uh, a Jason Statham movie called Parker. Um, and Parker has a few things going for it. One is that he's a character that existed before it was a Statham vehicle. So there's an adaptation of a series of novels by Donald Westlake, whatever his name is. I don't, it's I don't know. Writing is Richard Stark. I just read one actually right. called Firebreak. And, and Parker is definitely morally bankrupt. And he, there's none of this like, oh, only people who deserve it get killed. Like Parker's this great, uh, He's a, he's a dark character. He's a real anti-hero, and Statham, for whatever reason, didn't feel that needed to be watered down. Um, furthermore, the great thing about Parker, uh, it's directed by someone who's not an action director. Uh, Taylor Hackford did it, and that's oh, not wow. – that's, you know, he doesn't do action movies, so they gave him this – what could have just been a trashy Jason Statham action movie, and he didn't shoot it that way. Uh, you know, It's got some action in it, but that, that wasn't its priority. So – my over is another Statham vehicle. My over and under are Statham vehicles. Uh, is is an, an actual Statham vehicle that works uh, called Parker. Kelly, one you've seen yeah. it, right? Or you haven't? No, I'm a, I'm hostile to it because I'm. It's one of my favorite liter, literary right. characters. Right, you have some preconceived notions about what he's supposed to be. Only Fair that enough. he's he's just very he's a very American character. Right, right. And it's just like if James Bond was played by an American. Like that's how I feel about Statham as Parker. Right. Like what? But then also in the previews they were talking about – there's lines about, yeah, I only rob people who, who deserve it or kill people who deserve it. And Parker would never say that. In the no, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some awful deaths in it. Just don't call it Parker out of that bed. Stop <laughs> trying to trick me. Why do you, why do you like Taylor Heckford? Uh, Dad, why do I know his name? Uh, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll just tell you why. He's with Curtis Hansen. 
Uh, why, why? Yeah, do not confuse the two of them. He did not direct In Her Shoes. That's not Taylor Hackford, right? What? Why am I? Why do I like? I, I, I just know he directed a bunch of crappy movies. But I, the reason I I have a, a happy feeling toward him is that he produced a movie called Blue Lyric Kings, which is a documentary that I saw at Sundance. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, movie then. So you're not talking about movies. You're talking about no. I'm talking about documentary. <laughs> um, and I think he uh, is married or was married to uh, Helen Mirren. Um, oh, oh boy, that'll make a guy. Because uh, that's when I got to meet her. Uh, at the at this at this Sundance screening of When We Were Kings, which is about uh, you know Muhammad Ali's Rumble in the Jungle, um, she which played I, the queen, which you no, know, which is a really great great documentary, uh, and I'm almost I, I'm certain that he produced it. I think he directed Devil's Advocate and did the the worst possible um, DVD commentary track, where he just basically talked about uh, well this is what's going on in this scene. All right, now he's talking to him about that. All right, now what he's doing now is doing that. And, yeah, I could just watch the movie and figure that out, Taylor. Thanks a lot. Um, so it's just interesting to hear you bring up Taylor Eckford. Yeah, so his early claim to fame, it looks like, is uh, Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, all right. Um, but all right. I, I actually remember uh, – Kelly Wan, you you seem like the kind of guy who would have a soft spot for this. Uh, there's a kind of clunky movie with James uh, Jeff Bridges and James Woods called Against All Odds. Does that have a fun yeah. place in memory? My favorite Phil That's Collins good. song. Right, right, exactly. There's a very prominently featured Phil Collins in there. Uh, but it, maybe it was just because I was a dumb teenager when I saw it. But that's it's also very favorite. 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's very 80s. That's part of what makes it good. What, what you say yeah. that like that's and a Rachel, bad thing. No, and Rachel Ward's banging. Yeah. She's always banging. Eh, whatever. Not really, but. What? <laughs> you see Sarky's machine? Uh, like I told you, I'm more of a gator kind of fellow. With uh, I always get Lord that confused with Educating Rita, and uh, there's a couple other movies that I get against all odds, and Educating Rita, and there's a couple others I get confused. Dingus, do you confuse Educating Rita and Blame It on Rio? Blame It on Rio is another one, yeah. Yeah, those are a lot alike. They have a lot I don't know why I, I – all of those just <laughs> – He has issues uh, in those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Woman issues. Blame it on Rio. I didn't know this. Why did I find this out? It's a remake of a French movie. Isn't that Michael Caine? Yeah, it's Michael Caine where he's vacationing with his buddy and he hooks up with yeah. his buddy's Demi daughter. Moore's uh, buddy's daughter, yeah. Demi Moore's but the, daughter. In the French it's one, there's, there's like it's a lot more uncomfortable and there's a lot more like taboo stuff in the original French comedy. So it's even a watered down remake of a French comedy. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Um, I like it because he kind of gets away with it. Right. Like everyone at the end's like, "All right, crazy." We, we get it. Right. Right. <laughs> And his, his the dad of the girls like all right yeah my daughter what are you gonna do all right but Can I ask uh, it's, real quick, it's hard to talk about mechanic very long isn't it well I just want to ask real quick if I missed a line or if I didn't quite understand it um, I when, can explain because the, the script is airtight like I said so I'll, I'll help you out here all right so um, Jason Statham is talking about all the different uh, like he's trying to construct for Tommy Lee Jones's character like why this is happening or for us rather. And he, and he tells like who Tommy Lee Jones controls and Tommy Lee Jones says, well, uh, North Americans too. If you count Mexicans, does he say that? Uh, well, sure. <laughs> you don't know. Never mind. Is Wait, Mexico, Mexico is it's not Central America. Yeah, it's North America. America. No, yeah. it's North America. Yeah, yeah, I'm just wondering if Tommy Lee Jones actually says the line, and if I heard it correctly, North America too, if you count Mexicans. If he controls the territories? Yeah, he's talking about different territories he controls and will control, because, you know, what 
Jason Statham is trying to convey to us is why this whole thing is going on. But he controls them with his submarines. That's what they're talking about. So he controls Mexico with submarines. Well, he's he's a very wealthy American um, weapons uh, purveyor. Oh. Who doesn't okay. deserve killing, by the way. Let's make yeah, that very clear. No, he's in his bathroom. Yeah. And he's played by a famous actor. <laughs> he's like, he's <laughs> wearing, rewrite that part. He's wearing slippers as well. That's great. Uh, Dingus, you saw Only God Forgives, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the chick who gets the gun pinned into a crotch at the beginning of the movie and she can't shoot Jason Statham. Uh, she has, a, uh, she's prominent in that cast, isn't she? I think so, yeah. Should I see that? I want to see that now. Yeah, I do too. Especially after Neon Demon. You guys yeah. might like it a lot more than I did. I, I found no it. No one likes it. No one who's seen it likes it that I've ever met. I found it really tedious and overbearing. But, but that, that woman is in it. Okay. Right. See? I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt her name. Are you guys ready for this? This isn't gonna be Tom pretty. Tom to overbear her. You ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yaya Ying Ratha Fongum. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. It means. What's her last name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, did you feel this movie didn't uh, merit an R rating? Well, well, no one smoked in it. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's so soft. They cut away from everything. There's no, there's not one money shot violence wise in this. Oh, movie. he shoots a dude like five times in the neck. Oh yeah, he, he actually at one point it seems like it runs out of bullets and he just stabs a guy with a gun in the neck. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's that. That was the moment. You know, I, I wasn't so focused on the language as you were talking about, Tom. But that moment when one of the many moments he's jumping on a yacht that hasn't blown up yet. Because I, I was doing a, the number of boats that have been. Yeah, what was their yacht up. budget? They must have had a, yeah quite the yacht well, budget. For this. Uh, well, and there was there's even a, a shot of a previous boat being blown up, blown up from an earlier movie. So why not you know blow up a bunch of boats? But when he's running around to the boat, and I kept thinking about any again, this is a this is my limited knowledge of video games. It just felt like levels of, of running through all these different parts of a boat and shooting a bunch of dudes, and then we're going to run around the boat again, shoot a bunch of more dudes. And then there's one moment where some guy surprises him, and uh, Jason Statham shoots him in the neck and then like shoots him five more times in the neck. Which is like, great because then later in that battle, he doesn't have his gun. And yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, dude, if you hadn't needlessly wasted five rounds shooting the guy in the face – yeah. You would have been able to shoot these guys who were spiriting Jessica Alba away, dork. Right. Mm-hmm. So as I'm sitting there watching like, and determining, okay, is is the one punch to Frank on on that first boat that shows blood going out of his head, is that enough to make an R rating? Uh, and then we get the, the, like, the several shots in the dude's uh, jugular vein, and then the other dude with a grenade in the hot tub. Uh, I was like, hey, okay, this is going to be an R, but... It's just because of blood, I think. Well, no, I wondered even there's an early uh, – the very first fight where the uh, – with that um, – let me try again. Ya, ya, ying, ratha, fongam. Uh, that fight with her. Oh, uh, an, where they knife, destroy the buffet. Uh, right, but a yeah. knife gets pulled out, and a guy's hand gets impaled into a guy's back. Like yeah. uh, pulling a knife in a fight – will legitimately lean you towards an R. And there's a great uh, – I think this is a commentary track for one of the Transporter movies where – I think it's Oliver Megaton, isn't that his name? Uh, is explaining – I think it's one of the Transporter movies – that they had to cut 
the scenes they had a fight scene where a knife comes out in a subway like in their tight subway confi- confines and he's swinging around the poles of the subway like there are stripper poles or whatever they have a fight and there's knives involved and i think they had to like cut the knives out digitally Ah, oh, for to, fuck's sake. To keep, get a PG. It's something like that. But li- so dumb. So when the knife got uh, pulled out in that buffet fight, I was like, wait a minute. Is that, is that, that going to give us an R rating? And so then the moment Jessica Alba says to the domestic abuser, get the fuck away from me, I was like, oh, this is R rated because uh. there's an F-bomb. They're not going to squander their one F-bomb on something that frivolous. So it's R rated. We had the knife. We're going to get the F-bomb several times, uh, and then sure enough, later on, yeah, they do get blood effects. Uh, so, But that is weird to me is that, yeah, showing people stabbed can push you towards an R rating. Right. It's not necessarily blood, I think. Well, I think rating should, systems. Actually, I think it should be I'm more. Okay I mean, I, I'm okay with the first one, um, with the Ben Foster one being R, because the, the violence in that is really – I mean – uh, set against this, his fight with the guy who he he tricks into um, the Chihuahua guy. Yeah, the Chihuahua guy is is a really pretty cool fight and really brutal. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. brutal, it's bloody, and I I can understand that. But this stuff, that buffet fight, I totally forgot, Tom. I totally forgot that whole buffet fight because of the hang glider thing. Because right. all the hang glider things yeah. that you think of, because it's also in Rio, is the animated movie. Rio, which uses a similar, which they're cribbing from because the two birds get saved by jumping onto a hang wire, and they're in Rio. Uh, I really hated this. Movie so much. Oh, that's so he ripped off a kids movie. Yeah, ripped <laughs> off a kids movie in a video it, game. It, get the whole buffet stuff in a video game with that that uh, elevated pool thing, right? I, when that happened, I go. I'm already. This movie's already lost me because that's not even cool. Like if they, if that, with the, if that, if I'm supposed to watch, they go. Oh, he got on a hang glider. Yeah, fuck you, lady in a cable car. I'm already out. Like, can we? Can we? I know you made a joke about it, Kelly, but what is the deal with Daddy's watch? Wait, I saw it in German, so I just. What I wrote in the opsis was kind of what I thought. <laughs> You're right, but I don't understand what the deal with that is. orphan. What I was told was there's a line where the villain goes, oh, I know from the orphanage that's his dad's watch. So if he gave it to Jessica Alba, he really cares about her. So she's an awesome hostage, although they already have her at that point. So And they've already made the deal, so it seems like that line is kind of... And also, there's no payoff for the watch. But the, it, the, that's I another it was going to be like a gadget or something that got her out of it. Oh. Or like a homing device. I, or yeah, something. I, that's what Well, she uses going. it to call attention to the sticker with the right. numbers on the it. The watch? Yeah, yeah. She's like, hey, here's the watch, and she's pointing, and the pointing is supposed to then, yeah, which it does, divert his attention stuff. to the, the sticker. Yeah. So the watch does. Uh, I, the funny thing is, then when he goes to rescue her, uh, his rescue just kind of peters out. Like, <laughs> sort of like I'm going to jump off the boat and just swim away now. I've had enough of this battle. Uh, yeah. I was going to rescue her, but I guess I'll go do the third mission anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. And, no, and nobody seems to mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's killed a bunch of people, and they're like, "All right, you rascal, <laughs> go do your work." And, she, and they don't take it out on Alba even. Like the whole point of having her as a hostage is like if you if you try any shit, we'll kill her. Right, right. She right. tries shit and they don't do anything to her. Uh, she kicks a bunch of people in the nads, by the way. She's yeah, pretty she feisty. Does. Yeah, a bunch that, of nads kicks. That's really annoying that her only power seems to be nad kicking. Uh, the villain looked to me like a genetic 
merge of Sean Bean and Andrew Garfield. Oh, weird. Yeah, but also with uh, blow dry hair. Sure, very quaffed, right? Yeah. It must be hard to play a villain and have that face all the time. Like every time the camera's on you, you have to like look cold and kind of frustrated. Like, oh, the hero's tricking me already. Statham can do it. Like he's got the one, or the two facial expressions. He's got to hold. No, I know. I'm saying the villain has it worse. <laughs> he's got the two facial expressions. To me, he looked like uh, Toby. Look I, I, I kept thinking of Toby Kell for some. You reason. think Jason Statham looks like Toby Kebbell? No, no, no. The villain. oh, the villain. Oh, the villain. Right, right, right. Yeah. There, I can see a little. Like I kept that. wondering if if the the two of them because there's this weird uh, there's the, there's a couple weird convergences in this movie and you know um, Jason Statham and uh, Jessica Alba were both in movies with uh, um, Paul Walker um, and uh, and uh, the I, the writer and I think the um, the guy who was the villain I can't remember his name now uh, Tony. Brilliant. Wait, who are you talking about? I'm talking about the the, the crane. Yeah, crane. What's okay, crane's crane. uh, what's crane's actor name? I forget. Uh, Sam Hazeldean, I think. We're, we're both in uh, one of the writers and and one of the writers worked out an early movie called Resurrection, and uh, Sam Hazeldean worked on something called Resurrection. So there are these weird sort of like uh, convergences that happened in this movie. Uh, that's what that means. That's why they went with. That's why the title is that. I don't think so. I think it's just generic. Yeah, it's such a weird choice too, because I, I mean, I guess the idea is uh, he's come it's back been five from, years. Yeah, he's come back from the dead. Like everybody thought he was dead. He faked his death, and now he's back because uh, Alba. Yeah. But you know, watching the at the end of the of the mechanic, you see. You see him. You see the security cam footage, and then I didn't understand what the security cam footage at the end of this was supposed to represent. That he's still around. Uh, well, yeah, he's really he still around. Another explosion. Right. Where is that security cam footage coming from? Is it the warehouse for the debris that you bring when a oh, yacht blows the up? Debris. All right. Yeah, when a yacht blows up, Dingus, you got to reassemble meticulously. Like the NTFC comes out, and they're like, okay, we got to figure out what happened. And they they put all the debris together, and they meticulously figure out, you know, why did this yacht blow up? The flagpoles like in splinters. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so if he. If he fakes his death at the end of the first movie and then gets exposed in this one, everyone's like, oh, he survived the explosion. Let's get him. Doesn't it seem like, okay, and this time there was an explosion and we can't he, find his body again? Like, he, I want everyone to go, wait. He didn't fake his death at the end of the last movie. In the first one? He didn't fake that's his why death. He was he was, why'd he blow all that shit up? Just to kill Foster? No, he, he escaped his death. He, I mean, and he let it it's not he he didn't escape he didn't fake his death he escaped it and then he, he faked just decided, it by no he he, he just escaped being killed and then remained anonymous and then went underground he didn't fake his death it's not like he set that up ben foster tried to kill him and he just right but he faked you know, it with smelled foster. the gasoline he didn't fake it with foster yeah he, he escaped did. He it. it's not it's not a fake death I, I can't stand the fact that the, the that the um, synopsis reads that he faked his death in the last movie. He didn't. He just escaped. I thought because that corporation's still after him. 
and that's why he's hiding out in Rio at the beginning of this one. Yeah, I'm with Kelly. I thought that we're supposed to think that his enemies believed him dead. Him. Yeah, yeah. And that's why course. she that's, has. That's but he didn't. Against. He didn't fake his death. He escaped being killed and then just stayed underground. Well, I think the point is he's letting people – right, he's letting people think he's dead. Like he's taking advantage of, of that explosion to let people believe he died in it, although I guess you would know if there's no body in there. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's not the same thing as like getting a corpse and putting dental records in and faking your death. It's that he escaped it. It's not the same Dingus, thing. not every movie can be as meticulous as Now You See Me. All right, fair, fair enough. Not, yeah, not all plots are that interesting. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. Absolutely. So, uh, my over, what, this should be pretty easy. What do you guys have for overs? It can't be that difficult to come up with an over for Mechanic Resurrection. Dingus, what you come up with? My over is Point of No Return. What is that? Ah, uh, the Bridget Fonda. That's the Bridget Fonda version of La Femme. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of the, yeah, that's better. the weird, like, cleaner stuff that goes on in it. And I just don't think it's, uh, I, I just can't stand the way that movie is made. I love La Femme Nikita, but, uh, Point of No Return is a pale, uh, imitation of that, but it's better than this. Okay. Kelly Wand, what is your over for Mechanic Resurrection? Uh, I, my over is Crank High Voltage. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. That's, that's a good Statham movie. And it's even... really wacky. What? I was going to make fun of you for not bracketing, but I'm not bracketing either because I really did like Parker, the, uh, which is my over. Um, Maybe I should see it. It's just so. No, if you can't get, if you're one of those people who's like, eh, John Constantine is blonde. Keanu Reeves can't play him. If you're all like that, <laughs> I totally understand. No, but John it's not just that. It's John Constantine's supposed to have an English accent. Yeah. Like if you're one of those guys, no, I understand. You know, I, it's, it's your, if you're, that's your lot in life. To be hung up on source material, who am I to say you should get over it? Well, I'm just not interested. <laughs> uh, so unders, my unders, another Jason Statham vehicle. This actually, this movie is actually worse than Mechanic Resurrection because I don't think these are movies so much. There's a guy, there's a guy in, from Germany, Kelly Wan. You might know this guy. You might hang out with him. Uh, named Uwe Boll, who doesn't yeah. make movies so much as he takes advantage of these German tax shelter laws to get financing to hire people who are moderately famous and and have them hang out long enough while he runs cameras and puts people in dumb costumes and does something that approximates a movie that he has then sold overseas to poor suckers who don't know any better. Uh, Uwe Boll does these things, and they're quote-unquote movies. Uwe Boll did one with Jason Statham playing, not mechanic, but playing Farmer. And that was actually his name. It wasn't a title or anything. He's Farmer in this fantasy quest epic movie called In the Name of the King, colon, A Dungeon Siege Tale. <laughs> and it's horrible. Is he a farmer? Yeah, Is well, uh, I don't, he's a village. You know, like his village gets – I don't think he actually farms. I could be wrong about that. But he's just a guy in a village, and his village gets overrun by like orcs, and he avenges it, like that kind of thing. Um, but not his farm. Uh, he maybe he was a farmer. They call him farmer. Yeah, like that's it's like they don't call him. Does like, he use a spade or a hoe as a? Uh, uh, no, he uses an actual weapon. Like he's an actual <laughs> warrior. Hmm. Burt, Burt Reynolds is, I think, is. Do they name. say the name of the t- the name of the movie in the movie? They go in the name of the king, Statham. Come on. Stop they farming. might. Don't think they ever say a dungeon siege tale. Uh, hmm. And it's a it's a licensed movie from the Dungeon Siege games, which were kind of like the album. So they're like, we're going to like that, and we're going to make this movie out of it. There was a trailer for Assassin's Creed movie before 
mechanic. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. They're actually uh, doing a. Oh, and it's the guy that did the the Macbeth with him, isn't it? He. Dingus, do you remember that director's name? The guy who did the the Macbeth from just last year. Yeah, with Michael Fassbender. He's doing the video game tie-in that Assassin's Creed thing. Oh, good lord! Uh, it's Justin something. I can't remember his name. Justin Kurzel. Very good, Dingus. Oh, all right. Yeah. I was not a big fan of that movie. Oh. All right. Well, thanks for shooting down my expectations for Assassin's. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought it was way too dark and didn't quite understand the whole point of the play. Uh, production of Macbeth being way too dark. What? What? How no, could Macbeth be way too dark? <sighs> Dingus washes the blood out of his hands. <laughs> That's right. Damn and I, c- I can never get this blood out. Do you mean yeah. visually or tone wise? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, visually. I, I just oh, think oh, it's the point in the play. Okay. Um, it, there, and it, there's just like way too many candles. I mean, I liked um, what's her name, uh, <laughs> Cotillard. Um, she's what? also in the Assassin's Creed movie. That's hilarious. Oh, Mary she is. Cotillard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's Lady Macbeth. Um, uh, I don't know. I just think it missed. I think it missed it. It was, and and there's just so much smoke in it. I don't know. Too I, many uh, candles. Too much smoke. That's and I, I think it totally missed the point of the last battle. Absolutely missed the point of the last battle. I want to go with your original complaint that it was way too that a Macbeth production was too dark. dark yeah, it was. It was. I, I <laughs> was too grim. It, it's not jaunty enough. Yeah, I like my Macbeths exactly. They, there's there needs to be more merriment in a Macbeth. The prophecy was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dingus, what's the movie that when you that, get the whole idea of Burnham Wood comes to Dunsinane wrong? And I feel and I feel so strongly about that sitting in the theater that you totally got that whole Burnham Wood comes to Dunn's name wrong. I go nuts. Dingus stood up and went, not nice. That's yeah. right. And he did a fist pump. Uh, Dingus, what's a movie that's not quite as good as Mechanic Resurrection? <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick a movie called Assassins, which is a Richard Donner movie. Oh, is it that thing with Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone? Indeed it is. Oh, yeah. Dingus, come on. And it's Richard Donner? Yeah, it's Richard Donner. This has got to be pure gold. What's the matter with you? And it was written yeah. by the Wachowskis. What? This has got to be awesome. And isn't like Sharon Stone or someone in it? Who's yep, the Sharon Stone specialist? Is in it. And, oh. and, and, and no, no, like and a, Julianne Moore's in it. There's a shower sex scene with Sharon Stone and Sylvester Stallone, isn't there? That's specialist. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it's Julianne Moore who's in this movie. Okay, never mind. I think. Jesus. Is it Sharon Stone or Julianne Moore, Kelly? Uh, I thought I think it's Julian. No, that sounds that sounds right. The specialist is Sylvester Stallone and Sharon Stone. Stallone and Sharon Stone wouldn't do two movies. I just remember this horrible, like this whole thing of somebody talking to somebody else where they're trying to rob a bank and talking into people's ears. And Why are assassins trying to rob a bank? That's not what assassins do. I don't know. I just remember hating this movie so much. I haven't seen it in a long time, um, but uh, there's a reason I'm choosing Richard Donner for this particular one. Why? Just see. Uh, Dingus is up to something. Uh, Kelly Wan, what's a movie that's not quite as good as uh, Mechanic Resurrection? Uh, I consider less good the movie Hard Target with Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, how dare you! No, it sucks. No, Catherine Blue. I know, but there's dubs. There's no dubs in the movie. Yeah, but that's a good point. I don't know, but. Face Off's a better John Woo, and I remember being really disappointed in Hard Target because I'd seen Hard Boiled right before that. And I was like, "Oh, it's going to be the best movie ever," and then I emerged a little crestfallen. I, I love that you picked this. Um, do you remember 
Um, I didn't even think about this. Do you remember why they, uh, how they justify um, Jean Claude Van Damme's accent? Because uh, do you remember, do you the remember where fish that bit him was uh, Bulgarian? Do you remember where the movie takes place? New Orleans. Yeah, it takes place in New Orleans, and um, and the first mechanic takes place down in Louisiana. Right. That's where his 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 little house is that he blows up, or his huge house, and his and the and his original boat blows up and everything, and his friend and the recliner. It's all down in Louisiana. So I'm so glad you brought that up, even though I disagree. I think Hard Target is much better. Well, that's really? good news for for both of you. You guys will both be glad to know that there is a Hard Target sequel that's uh, out next month. It's called Hard this, Target. Hard Target Two. You're not. making that up right now. Nope, true thing, actual thing. It's a video on demand release next month. Uh, I don't know who the lead guy is. Harder Target. It's not Van Damme. It's but, not Van uh, Damme. Is it John Woo? Good lord, no. Uh, the the woman in it though, uh, Rona Mitra, who I really like. Oh, mm-hmm. I like her too. Yeah, so she's in a Hard Target sequel, and I'm sure you guys will be first in line to see that when it's uh, available for video on demand next next month. Kelly She'd make Wong. a cool librarian. Rhoda Mitra would make a cool librarian? Yeah. She'd make a pretty cool anything. Like I, I, But yeah, I'd go with the librarian. Sure, absolutely. She'd make a mean daiquiri. Mm, well, I don't know about that. Mm. Oh, she's on a TV show called Last Ship. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad when movie actors go into TV, right? And when there's only one ship left. Okay, that happened. Um, the one in the chamber I had was the my over was Yeo and my under was Alba. What do you think about wait, that? Wait, over was... Wait, do, say that again. What's the order? Yeo's over and Alba's under. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with that. Obvi. Yeah. Wait, what a waste of Michelle Yeoh. I know! What the fuck? See, that's the thing. If the movie's racist, I get to do it. And she was just thrown in there racistly. Well, why would you have Michelle Yeoh play, like, the, the matron character? That just made no sense. She's playing the architect matrix character or something. What? Or no, she's playing the Oracle. No, she's just the she's hotel. The she's the hotel keeper. Like it's, it's, I know. I'm saying she's the she's barmaid, a, basically. She's like a glorified barmaid. That was who wants to see that? That's supposed to be a. That's supposed to be for international box office. Is making her a barmaid? I guess so. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Alba gets to do fifty nat nad kicks, and Neo doesn't zero. <laughs> uh, Dingus. Studio. What's this week's 3x3? What do you got for us? These are your three favorite uh, badges and IDs in movies. All right. Kelly Kelly Wand, as the person announcing next week's 3x3, what's your third favorite badge or ID? I've troublesome, and my list sucks really bad. Uh Uh-oh, Dingus. It sounds like he's, he's about ready, like he's warning the police to be on the lookout. Guess what? It's badge time. Uh, all right. This is maybe my only good one. My number three is in Lethal Weapon Two, when um, Mel Gibson's uh, going out his way to annoy some South Africans at the consulate, 
And they send out, like, guards in suits to uh, go, get out of here. And then he, like, raises his badge, but, like, it's on his fingertip. Like, and I remember thinking, oh, so you have, like, a clip on the back of the police badge that you can do that with, but no one's ever done it before? Interesting. That's my number three. Uh, That does sound indeed like a badge. Yeah, that's fine with me. Really? Yeah. My, well, you see, he did say that was his only good one, Dingus, so. Right. my third favorite uh, badge or identification – oh, shoot. Did I order these correctly? Yes. Uh, is, Look at the number right in front of the letter you're about to read. I don't use, num- <laughs> I don't use numbers, Dingus. That's too pedestrian. Uh, my third favorite, which is also I think one of my favorite meat cutes when you guys taught me what that word means. Mm. Uh, Mark, Mark Ruffalo is a cop, and he's investigating a, a murder. It's near an apartment. It was in an apartment building, uh, and so he's just canvassing the neighborhood, uh, asking all the people, "Hey, did you see murderers around here?" Whatever. Uh, one of the people who lives in this apartment building is is Meg Ryan, and in this movie, she's not the Meg Ryan that would be in a romantic comedy. She's a Meg Ryan who's really intellectual, super buttoned up and closed off, really reserved and cautious. Um, and when Mark Ruffalo says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with the police, could I ask you some questions? And he, he flashes his badge, and it's one of those, like, little leather badge holders where it just, like, is sort of, it just cradles the back of the badge, and he's got it cupped in his palm, and he flashes it up to show that he's a cop. And he's even got a cop mustache. He looks like a cop. Anybody would believe, yeah, he's got the badge, the mustache, totally a cop. Uh, but Meg Ryan says, how do I know that's real? And then it cuts to a scene of her talking to him through the door of her apartment with the chain still locked. And she's on the phone. She says, I'm still on hold. Uh, And he's like, "Okay, I'll wait. Uh, And he sits down in the stairwell and he smokes a cigarette. She's calling the police department to actually ask, is this guy really a cop? Uh, It it gives him that much. And the movie is Jane Campion's In the Cut. And it ends up becoming a sort of a psychosexual thriller uh, with Mark Ruffalo and Meg Ryan. Uh, so their little meet cute where he flashes the badge and she still doesn't believe he's a cop and furthermore insists on calling the police to verify uh, and making him wait in the hall. Uh, so there's my third favorite badge. Uh, Dingus, what is your third favorite badge or ID in a movie? All right, here's my quote from it. Now that's a real badge and I'm a real cop and this is a real fucking gun. Obviously it's R-rated. It is R-rated. Sounds like a Dirty Harry movie, and you love those, so I'm going to guess Deadpool. Something I just Deadpool. saw. All right, let me let me try it again real quick. Hmm. He's going to do an accent. Look out. Stand now, up. that's a real badge, and I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. Animal Kingdom. It's amazing how bad his accent is in the beginning of this movie. And this is the first lethal weapon. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Um, these are both oh. Richard Donner movies, and this is why the Richard Donner made an appearance in Assassins for my under. Um, and this is the beginning and why I have no objection to Kelly's uh, pick for Lethal Weapon 2 because uh, in the drug buy uh, at the Christmas tree parking lot uh. um, or the Christmas tree lot, um, you know, I, I, I really do as much as this movie is so full of cheese. Uh, it's a really, I, I do really like this script and I kind of admire Shane Black for writing it. Um, uh, but the way this scene plays out where, uh, <laughs> where um, Riggs is sitting there making a drug buy. He's like, he tries the cocaine 
you know, he's like, oh, this is really good, really good shit. No, I'll take it. I, I would really like a tree to put it under. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the best tree in the lot. How much? How much for what? All of it. I'll take all of this cocaine. And the guy goes, a hundred. And so Mel Gibson takes out his wallet and starts counting out his bills. Okay, 20, 40, 60, 80, right, 10. And the guy's like, no, 100,000. And, <laughs> and Mel Gibson says, well, I can't afford that on my salary. I mean, it's amazing how bad his accent, his American accent is in this. And he goes, uh, well, this will cover it. And he pulls out his police badge and he puts it right down on the huge bag of cocaine. And then the, the shot goes to the picture of the bills and the, and the, in that badge that Kelly Wanda described earlier with the clip on the back of it, like sitting on top of the cocaine. And it just sort of sadly slides down the bag of cocaine onto the bills. It's, it's such a great, silly little moment. So it's a mood badge. badge. Yeah, it's a mood badge. Uh, but, yeah. but the main drug dude picks it up and goes, this ain't real. This isn't a real badge and you ain't real. Um, and that's when uh, that's when Mel Gibson says, "Yeah, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun." Now, yeah. do they never in the movie like somehow explain? Oh, you know, Riggs came from Australia to join the police force on a no. like police exchange program. No, because he was in Vietnam. His whole thing was that he served in Vietnam. Australians and, could fight in Vietnam, dingus. Yeah, no. but but not the way they did from here. Australians were mainly medics in Vietnam, Tom. Is that true? You made that up. Oh. Oh, yeah, I made that up. No, there's no, there's no explanation of that whatsoever. It's just that that he, sounded real. He, yeah, I could have, I could have gone with it. Uh, I would have believed that for ten years. It's just I, I, I would have cut up to Australia's gun. Thank his, you. His main sure. flub was when they're on an overpass and he, and Roger Murtaugh is having a problem with something and and uh, Riggs says, "Here, have a French fry." That's that. Seemed to be in my memory the only time he messed up. But when you watch that whole first scene where he's in the Christmas tree parking lot, you're like, you're not even trying. <laughs> it's hilarious. But that's uh, what means going crazy. So uh, but, yeah, but I love that that moment with the badge where he goes, okay, well, yeah, and he puts it down on the on that bag of cocaine. So just you know, while I'm handing out good news about like a hard target sequel, I mentioned this before, but just to remind you guys, less than a month away. The Clayne Crawford Lethal Weapon on Fox you TV keep, show. Are you going to say that every time yep. we talk about any movie? Yep. Yep. I'll have some good news for you about something coming up that's related. All right. I can't wait to talk about my number two choice then. I can't wait to hear what the television show for this one is. Let me, let me tell you guys something about Clayne Crawford. He does not have an Australian accent. There will be no accent issues when he plays Riggs or Murtaugh, whichever one is the crazy one. Uh, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, does, I think Jillian to... Bell plays the crazy one in this one. That would be awesome. Uh, does Damon Wayans look old enough to be like a cop on the edge, of, on the verge of retirement? Because that's what he's that character. Oh, he's Murtaugh. Yeah, yeah. Who's I, Riggs? Clayne Crawford. Oh, who the, the fuck's that? Crawford. Remember the guy from Rectify? Who? <laughs> uh, that's in a, a movie with our friend Brian Casp called and James Badge Dale called Spectral, which is out this this December. The James Bond movie. No, you would think that they might choose a different name after Spectre, but they're going with Spectral. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Kelly Wand, what is your second favorite badge or identification in a movie? And now these are – you promised us your third was the only good one, so we're expecting two bad ones from you now. Yeah. Okay, my number two is um, in Blazing Saddles when uh, – So far, I'm not going to see a problem. I mean, I can imagine – 
This, this sounds promising is all I'm saying. The Mexican banditos go badges. We don't need no stinking badges. But it's like, it's because they're handed them by Harvey Corman's character. And I really like the idea that they're handed out badges um, to go kill. Uh, I think it's, why does he think that's a bad chick? I don't know. Maybe because it's not the original version of that? Yeah, it's Treasure of the Sierra Madre reference. That doesn't disqualify it from being a 3 by 3 like, no, no, it doesn't. I don't know why. It's a yeah, it's a funny moment with badges, and there's physical badges involved, and it's, you know, it's classic blazing saddles. So I don't know it's why like you think that's a bad badges. Kelly Wan, have faith. Maybe in he himself. knows that I really can't stand that movie. I can't either. Tom doesn't like it either. Yeah, I don't I'm know. the only. Yeah, Kelly's good. the one who can stomach Mel Brooks. Uh, I can stomach me some Mel Brooks, just not this one. Oh, that's true. I'm the one who doesn't like Mel Brooks, right? You don't like the fly, dude. What? What does that have to do with Mel Brooks? He's the producer. On the 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 Vincent Price the fly? No, the Jeff Goldblum one. Jeez, <laughs> oh, true. You can really see his fingerprints all over that movie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Blazing Saddles and the Fly were the work of one mind. Yeah, all, all those fart jokes. Oh, yeah, man. you know, it's, it's a big part of David Cronenberg's body. Throwing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second favorite badge or ID in a movie um, punched cat. Uh, is not a badge because this is a private event. Uh, yeah, I'll do a quote. Mind if I take one of your cards? Uh, now, this is not a badge, and it's not conventional ID the way we we think of it today. And if this topic had been business cards, for instance, like I would have wanted to talk about like that great bit in American Psycho. However – this identification is business cards, and the reason that I think I can get away with oh, it. Oh, all right. What yeah. do you know? Because I, I, it's a kind of a minor thing from a great movie. Do you, do you have a guessing? No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. I thought it was uh, something else. Go ahead. So this is from a time when a, a business card wasn't called a business card; it was called a calling card. Yeah. And the person who takes is asking to take one. Of, he asks to take one of his cards in case he needs to call the guy, and the guy's like, "Yeah, sure, take one of my cards." And he's got a tray of them on his desk. And then the private investigator takes a handful of them, and then later he uses those cards to impersonate the guy. Uh, so this is in Chinatown when Jake Giddis is talking to uh, a, uh, an actor named John Hillerman Dingus, who you'll know from Magnum P.I., uh, is playing Russ Yelburton, the deputy chief of the Department of Water in, in L.A. He's just some uh, bureaucrat, uh, city bureaucrat. Uh, and Jake Giddis is talking to him, and – uh, ask, you mind if I take one of your cards? And he takes a bunch of these guys' cards, and then later on, when he's trying to get to a crime scene at this uh, water plant area, he just flashes at the cops this this card and says, yeah, I'm with I'm the deputy director of the water department. And the cops look at the card, and they don't have any picture or anything, and they don't ask for a driver's license, because back in the day, you couldn't just, like, nobody would have a business card unless he was that person, because you couldn't <laughs> just go to Kinko's and pay $20 and get 100 business cards made. This is a big deal. Um, so like so many other things in Chinatown, uh, Polanski just did such a great job of breathing life into the details of a private investigator in the 40s in Los Angeles um, with the, the calling card. And, and so much of Chinatown is like that, just watching Jake get his doing research, for instance. Uh, that's that's a lot of that movie, and a lot of it is it's procedural in, in ways. Um of what it, what it was like back then. So I just love that a calling card, a business card, can be used as identification, and you can trick people with it. At first I thought you were talking about um, the nice guys, because I, I 
thought I remembered something from the nice guys that dealt with that, but then I realized you were going for Chinatown. Unlike uh, Chinatown, The Nice Guys is not a perfect movie. Hmm. You can say many good things about it, not a perfect movie. But I thought there was a business card thing going on in that movie, but maybe I'm wrong. There might have, yeah, I don't remember. Um, all right, Kel, oh, no, Dingus, your turn. What is your second favorite uh, ID or badge in a movie? All right, and I can't wait to hear about the television remake that is coming up soon. Yep. Or it could right. just be a movie sequel, Dingus. Some of these are direct-to-video movie sequels. All right, here's a quote from my uh, second favorite use of badges in a movie. And there's a couple in this movie. Uh, okay, pal, why the Mahaska? Oh, I know what this is. What is that? What is that? Uh, because you said a word that I had no idea what you were saying. I'm guessing it's maybe like an Irish thing, so it's got to be Miller's Crossing. It's close. It is an Irish thing, but uh, it's said in a Scottish accent. So he would be like, okay, pal, why the Mahashka? No, he's doing untouchables. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. So there's the, there's badges throughout this movie, and they're, they're talked about throughout this movie. Um, the badge that I was thinking about before I watched the movie again is, is the moment on the, uh, I think it's the Michigan Avenue Bridge in Chicago, uh, after Elliot Ness's first failed um, sting, you know, where, where he drives the snow, where he, he drives a snowplow into that warehouse, breaks into the crates, and pulls out an umbrella, um, and then he walks home like despondent and he's standing on this bridge he, and he pulls out this note that his wife had left him in his lunchbox that says, I'm so proud of you. And he throws it into the river. He's so, so he's just, he's really sad. He's had a, t- a terrible day at work. Uh, and just as he do- does that, a cop on the beat, Sean Connery, uh, walks past him and goes, uh, you know, buddy, throw, you can throw it in the gun garbage can you don't have to throw it in the river and so then they get into the this is when they meet this is their meet cute basically um and, and uh and sean connery's character realizes and this is his name is malone uh puts his nightstick up against elliot ness and says and it clinks on his gun that's under his overcoat and says why the mahashka i've never heard a gun referred to as a mahashka and anything else i just love the way that Sean Connery says that. And then uh, Elliot Ness says, uh, I'm a treasury agent. And this cop on the beat goes, oh, all right. Well, let's remember what we talked about tonight. And he walks away. <laughs> and Elliot Ness is like, wait a minute. You just walked away from an armed man. You didn't ask for – you didn't even figure out whether it's me. And um, Malone goes, well, who would claim to be that who was not? Um, and he walks away again. And Elliot Ness says, all right. Uh, what is your uh, what is your name and your unit number? And Sean Connery turns around and he just takes his nightstick and he points it. He doesn't just point it; he clinks it against his badge. It's this great bit of sound design where he just clinks it against his badge that's on his chest and he goes, "It's right here." Clink. Like you, you can take out any information you want about me. It's right here. Clink. I mean, it just makes this lovely. Clink, clink sound. And this is where the two of them meet. But what I didn't remember was there's also a badge moment right before that, and that's before Elliot Ness's, or in the middle of Elliot Ness's failed raid, where he runs into this warehouse thinking this is going to be his, his first victory in Chicago. Everybody's against him. He's this crusader cop. Um, he, you know, the, the police force is corrupt, but he's 
he's this guy who has a pure heart and he's going to uphold the law. And he runs into this warehouse and he skids down and he pulls down one of the warehouse workers and he holds up his leather badge, like the one that Tom is sort of talking about. He flashes this badge and he's like federal, you know, treasury officer. He's a treasury officer. Um, and he flashes this badge up in the air. And it's this great moment that kind of counterbalances this, this, this cop on the beat who has a badge right there over his heart. Um, and then in the a scene later, uh, just a little bit later after he convinces, uh, after Elliot, uh, convinces Malone to come work with him, uh, they're going to go on another raid, but this is an actual raid because Malone, Connery's character knows where the actual booze is hidden. And, uh, Charles Martin Smith comes walking in. He's like, we need an extra guy. Charles Martin Smith, who's just an accountant, comes walking in. He's, he, his idea is to get, to get Capone because of tax evasion. And, uh, Sean Connery goes, do you carry a badge? And Charles Martinsville goes, yeah. He goes, then you carry a gun. And, and there's, there's this badge thing throughout. And then at the end, of course, Capone's trying, Capone's futile, um, a futile insult to Elliot Ness at the end is, is, uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember the I can't remember the line now. It's uh, oh, you're nothing but a uh, you're nothing but a lot of talk and a badge. I think that's it. You're nothing but a lot of talk and the badge. And this is said in the courtroom. So there's there's badges throughout this, but those two badges, that badge where Elliot Smith throws his up, and then where Malone points at his badge and says, "Everything you know is right here," and points at his heart. I love that so much. So uh, September 21st on the CW, they're doing the, the Untouchables TV oh, series. Oh, stop it, Tom. Yeah, they and are. Who's, who's Why directing are it? Why is TV? I don't know who's directing it. They don't have a director. They just James Morrison's directing it. <laughs> uh, well, Anson Mount and Jensen Ackles are the, the lead actors right. in it. So is Joe Courtney going to be in it? No, but they do have, to play Capone, they got uh, Cody Smith-McPhee. You'll oh. be glad to know. Because oh. I, I hate it when movie actors do TV. But it's so sad. Chloe Grace Moritz plays... Uh... Shut up about her. She's awesome. Elliot Smith, as Dingus called him. <laughs> Did they call him Elliot Smith at some point? Too soon. Uh, oh, what? Oh, I didn't. I might be wrong. Uh, all right. Let's get down to our. Wait, are we at our number? Yeah, Kelly Wan. What is your favorite badge or ID in a movie? You take back uh, what you said about Chloe Moritz Grace. Chloe Moritz Grace. I won't have that. Wait, her middle name is Moritz? Yeah. No, it's not. I keep, I, that to grief me every single time. Plus, I keep forgetting that I've given up on her. I did. I grew up. I grew up on her. <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> what the question is? What is your favorite badge wow. or ID from all of moviedom? Now you promised that your your number one, your number two were bad picks. You failed us with your number two pick. That was actually not a bad pick. So this better be terrible, Kelly Wand. All right, this one's pretty dumb, I promise. Okay. okay. All right, in, in National Lampoon's Vacation, there's a part where uh, their car breaks down and Chevy Chase has to go get it fixed in the desert. They're like in Arizona or somewhere, and some hillbillies are laughing at him, and he went, one's all like, you flew off that bridge despite all those signs? You must have manure for brains. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> good point. It's a good one. <laughs> and then... <laughs> 
they he goes, so what's the damage? And they're all, how much you got? And he's all, uh, no, I'm asking how much the repairs cost. And like, how much you got? And they start like that red haired guy with a beard who's in all, all the movies starts like, uh, drumming his palm with a crowbar or no, what's the, it's a lug nut wrench. It's the flagpole. I can't remember. <laughs> it's the crowbar that's just cylindrical. It's there for and changing the, a tire, right? It's a, called a tire. Yeah. It's a tire changer. It's a tire iron. Tire, tire iron. iron. Right. Tire and Tyrion. So then, uh, Jesus. He gives them all the money in his wallet. And then he's all, how's the sheriff around here feel about your business practices? And then the guy like takes out a badge and laughs at him some more, like flashes it. So that's like what Arizona's like in the, in the Harold Ramis universe. Like, uh, don't well, break you guys, I have some good news for you guys. Uh, Vacation is being remade uh, with Ed Helms. What do you think of that? Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Gillies is in it. Who's Ready? that? Who's oh, Elizabeth Gillies. Go look her up. Go look her up. Okay, I'm going to make a note. Elizabeth Gillies. Please do. Right. And I hear Kelly Reichert is actually developing it. She's great. Yeah, she's really good at this kind of comedy. Uh, all right, are you guys ready for my favorite badge in a movie? Ooh! It's actually not a badge, it's ID. I'll give you a line. Uh, okay, you look like a future pedophile in this picture, number one. Number two, it doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. Wait, oh, hold on. that's the bronze. Oh, you're right, Kelly. Very good. Yeah. Uh, so, no, no, it's it's rocket science. That's the first Jonah Hill movie. Uh, I wonder what the first one is. I don't know Mordox. what the movie was. Uh, so obviously, this is a super bad, and it's Christopher Mintz Platt's fake driver's license that he gets made uh, when they're gonna they have to buy liquor. It's, it's, those are, the stakes are super high. They have to get liquor. Uh, so they, they leave it to him to get a fake ID. He gets a Hawaiian driver's license that just says McLovin, has his age as 25, uh, and he uses it to buy liquor. And then the wacky cops corner him, uh, and he thinks he's going to get busted because of his outrageous driver's license, but he doesn't. They buy it. And furthermore, he becomes buddies with them. And it's crazy. So there you oh, go. My spots. favorite uh, uh, ID in a movie in my cats Yep, is uh, – the driver's license and uh, super bad. Dingus, everybody knows your favorite Badger ID, so we should just skip it, right? We could just go on to, to listener submissions. Yeah, let's just do that. All right, so our first listener <laughs> is uh, – here's a quote from my first one in case you guys uh, want to guess. Oh, that's a nice badge. How do I get one of those? Do it like oh. De Niro, though. Do it with your De Niro impression. That's the best De Niro I can do. Huh. All right, so obviously it's Midnight, midnight Run. Uh, but this badge is used throughout the movie, and I love the way it's used throughout the movie. Uh, so this is not a surprise. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to post a bunch of pictures. So you're just going to have to deal with that. Um, there's this great moment after uh, De Niro steals uh, or after, uh, gosh, what's the name of his character? I think it's Martin Riggs um, steals the badge from, uh, um, gosh, what is Yafakota's character's name? I can't remember. 
I can never remember character names. Anyway, right after he steals it and they throw his sunglasses at him, uh, De Niro does this really funny thing on the street where he, like, pretends to flash the badge, which is really hilarious. But then he's on a plane, and there's this little kid sitting next to him while he's doctoring the badge and putting his own picture on it. And then he shows the pic- shows the badge to the kid, and you see the uh, the metal part of the badge on the leather, like, the leather, like, flap, like, as he's showing to the kid and he asks the kid, how's that? And the kid's like, looks fine to me. He's just a little kid. And, and De Niro's asking him how he, how he appreciates his abilities to forge something. Um, and there's also, there's a couple other things that I didn't realize until I watched this movie and, uh, untouchables in the same week. There's this actor named, uh, Jack Keough. um, who is in both The Untouchables. He plays the bookkeeper in The Untouchables. And he plays, uh, I think his name is Jerry, um, in uh, who's the the guy who is constantly going behind uh, Joe Patali on his back at the, uh, in the um, bookkeeper, not the bookkeeper, but the, um, oh my gosh, the bounty hunter, uh, the, bail, the bail bondsman office. He's the guy who's constantly going behind his back, but he's in both movies as well. And there's also a matchbook with somebody's number on it that gives something away. And that happens at the key plot point in both movies. Uh, but and anyway, the way that this badge is used through the entire movie, um, uh, including like when, when, um, when his credit card is declined, when his Amex is declined, uh, Jack Walsh is not the name on that on that badge, sir. And uh, the FBI badge seems to be currency when they're in Red's bar, and uh, Charles Grodin's character is actually using it. Uh, it it's just a, a great, uh, great through through line through the plot. The fact that he takes um, Mosley's badge early on. It's, I mean, it's just, it's so perfect. It's so perfectly used, and it's constantly referred to as a badge. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, I I thought that it would only be thought of as ID and not necessarily a badge, um, but it's called a badge. It's like, that's a really nice badge. How do I get one of those? Um, and man, I know you guys make fun of me for loving Midnight Run so much, but damn, it's such a fucking good movie. Dingus, how would you feel about a reboot of Midnight Run with all women, uh, with women leads in the cast? That's the good all, news. All women leads? Uh, the two leads will be women is the good news. Just like in Ghostbusters, you know, we can reboot movies and have women in the lead roles. The bad Listen, news, Dingus, Carthy. is those women are uh, Mila Kunis and Jessica Alba. Do they have a scene in the library? Rona Mitra really should play a librarian. I'm, I'm down with that. You guys, to- I'm totally shocked that you guys missed my after sex library scene with Mila Kunis and, gosh, now I can't remember who the other girl was. Natalie Portman. Ah, uh, is it Natalie Portman? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Anyway, yeah, I'm totally up for that. Let's do it. If Martin Brest is directing it, let's do it. Get it? It's his name. The director of oh. Midnight Run is named Martin Brest. There's no get is it. Is he named after Riggs? You're named after Riggs. Ah, uh, got me. Right, Damn let's, it. Let's move on to our listeners. All right, so Chris Cesarano. Hey, folks, serious answers this week. No goofiness or shenanigans to be had. Number three, aliens. 
people may, may not recall, since the scene is included in the director's cut, but I'm gonna, yeah, we'll go, go ahead. I, uh, I thought he was going to talk about Burke's little card that Ripley uses to then call him. But Newt's family discovering the derelict ship on LV-426 was originally not in the theatrical re- release of the film. This could easily have given it a retroactive small world syndrome by having Newt's parents be the first ones to make contact. I think you might be reading uh, <laughs> deleted scenes pics. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> this, is a, this is a new thing. There's right. a badge in that part. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Yeah, I was, look, it's the uh, Prometheus's badge. Look, because it, it's part of like the little futurist stuff in Aliens. Is that Burke gives her like it's a clear glass, glass like a clear plastic. Yeah, this is like a business yeah. card or whatever. And he's like, you know, right. just call me if you want the job. And she's like, get away. I don't want any part of it. And then she has the nightmare and she takes it. And it's it's a device that you also use. You plug it in and it calls that person. I think. Uh, so I thought that's what he was talking about. But no, I think that's an email from. Last week's deleted scene. It's like an auto gun. It's a deleted email. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I, I don't read these before. It's in the director's cut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you already see that? I, I, did, I haven't seen. I hadn't seen the email. Did I already see aliens? Wait, what? No, the email. Um, so the, no, but he was talking about a deleted scene. So I was thinking, well, what? Where was there a badge in that? Where is their ID? I'm guessing there isn't. <laughs> Because we did There's last week. Password to mother in the first one. Uh, yeah, it is ID, I guess. Yeah. Oral right. ID. So we missed that from last week. Sorry, Chris. Um, so. Well, we were also we recorded early last week, so I was just thinking I, yeah, I was worried that we were going to miss uh, some emails. Right. Uh, so the next one, which looks like it's actually dealing with uh, badges and IDs, is from Chris Braley. Uh, all three of my picks this week are actually a theme. Uh, my first pick has probably already been mentioned. It's the McLovin fake ID from Superbad. Sweet. Looking like a future pedophile with a name that sounds like an Irish R&B singer. Scene stealer Fogel, played by Christopher Mintz-Ploss, gets a fake ID that says he's 25-year-old organ donor from Hawaii in order to get liquor to attend a high, an high school. He calls it an high school party. I like this. Thank you, Chris. Um, this coming-of-age comedy about a trio of horny nerds is guilty of being cliched, unoriginal, raunchy, and – wait a minute, Chris uh, – is guilty of being unoriginal, raunchy, and vulgar, and is just like every other high school sex comedy you've ever seen, only better, funnier, brutally honest, and comfortable with itself. It's uh, something Manola Dargis would have said. Uh, so Chris Braley's next one is my next pick is 1997's Gattaca. Oh. In the not too distant future, Vincent Freeman is less than perfect man, wants to travel to the stars, but society has categorized him as less than suitable given his genetic makeup, and he has become one of the underclass of humans that are only useful for menial jobs. To move ahead, he assumes the identity of Jerome Morrow a perfect genetic specimen who is a paraplegic as a result of a car accident. With professional advice, Vincent learns to deceive DNA in urine sample testing using various clever ways to fake his identity. See you in Gattaca, Dick. Uh, Chris Braley's third. Uh, my third pick is 2011's underwhelming 
Marvel movie Thor. This is really just an Easter egg, although a clever one for nerds like me. The comic character of Thor actually had a human secret identity for decades named Dr. Donald Blake. In the original Thor comics, Donald Dr. Blake would tap his enchanted cane on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm a, I knew this. Thor's <laughs> real name is Donald. Please continue. Would <laughs> tap his enchanted cane on the ground. He never uses his physician skills. And transform into the legendary God of Thunder. But in recent years, Blake has been erased from the comics. Hmm, why? Who could guess? Erased from the comics in order to make Thor his own solo character. Director, director Kenneth Branagh gave fans of the comics a subtle wink when Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, gave Thor, Chris Hemsworth, the clothes of her ex-boyfriend, who was coincidentally named... Dr. Donald Blake. Ah, I get it. Thor would uh, later use the same name when he was in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s custody in order to protect his trident. All right. Uh, Enchanted Cain, say it. I should have made it clear. I was talking about badges and IDs, <laughs> not fake identities, but actual IDs. But, uh, <laughs> the Cain is the ID. Like, three by three sub-theme, fake IDs. Chris Brawley. Sorry, Brawley. But he gets a badge after they get nationalized in Cat America. Uh, Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Three favorite scenes with IDs. I went with a pretty obvious theme. He doesn't do a, a pun. I think we've shamed him out of doing puns. Uh, number three, in The Freshman. Oh, The Freshman. Damn. Okay. Uh, in The Freshman, as the zany plot spirals out of control, the eponymous Freshman... Matthew Broderick, is offered a fake Italian passport. Oh, this is great. With the name Rodolfo Lasfori. <laughs> so that he, Carmine, Marlon Brando, and the rest can escape to Italy. <laughs> I love, there's a scene where, where Matthew Broderick has to go, I don't want to be Rodolfo Lasfori. Oh man, I love that movie so much, Paul. It's a great prequel to The Graduate. <laughs> if I may be so bold. Paul, Paul Weimer's number two's choice is, is in Existence. Ted Picoul, Jude Law, tries to find out his new secret identity when unexpectedly transported to a new scene in the video game he's playing. As he fumbles with his Larry Ashen ID to learn about himself, his assembly line workmate, Don McKellar, ingratiatingly says, trying to remember who you are. He looks at his own badge and says, Ah, I must be Yevgeny Norish, and you, you are new to Trout Farm. I don't know what any of that means. Wait, what movie is this? R.I.P.D.? This is Existence. <laughs> Have you guys seen Existence? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Minor Cronenberg. Mm. Tom, do you it's know no shivers. I do not. I don't. Yeah. All I remember about existence is that someone makes a gun out of like Chinese food or something weird like that. Are you supposed to say existence? How are you oh, I don't, you're, 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 not, you're not. You're just not supposed to talk about it. They get USB ports. <laughs> put it up with uh, jackhammers too on their spines. Are they wet wired? Yeah, it's like AI. I mean, Minority Report. 
right, Paul's, <laughs> Paul's number one choice is Vitality. Uh, oh, this is good. Thanks, Paul. Uh, his number one is Corbin Dallas Multipass. Ah, uh, that's a good after, one. After several people have tried to pose as them already in the check-in, Bruce <laughs> and Mila Jovovich, in a very cute scene in The Fifth Element, establish they are the real couple to get on the shuttle in Floston Paradise. How do you say that? Floston? Multipass. Uh, save the world. Best regards, Paul Reimer. I do love that. I, I do love... Yeah. How Bruce Willis goes, yeah, he knows it's a multi-pass. Lilu, she doesn't know. What's Lilu up? Multi-pass. She has right. to look at multi-pass in the Atlas later. Next we have Nick Dingle. Hi, guys. Number three, the naked gun. When Leslie Nielsen has to question a foreman down in the docks, he shows his police squad ID, which oh. spills out a whole flip chain of cards from his wallet. He then had to borrow a 20 from the guy in order to bribe him for information. (laughs) Next number two is The Fugitive. Uh, We are first introduced to Tommy Lee Jones' character at the scene of the train crash wearing a nondescript winter coat. The police at the scene move to stop him, but he rips open this ridiculous Velcro flap on his coat to reveal his badge. <laughs> Do they sell coats with little flaps specifically to rip open to reveal a U.S. Marshal badge? Yeah, it keeps it warmer. <laughs> and Nick Dingle's number one, eyes wide shut. As oh. Tom Cruise takes his odyssey around New York, he constantly introduces himself introduces himself by showing his doctor's license to strangers in inappropriate situations. It's a great, ridiculous running joke, but it works perfectly for a movie about a man who values his wealth, privilege, and selfish desires more than his relationships. Hmm. Cheers. I'm always surprised when people understand or talk about Eyes Wide Shut, like like they paid attention to it. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, me like, too, Tom. Like, the obvious takeaway was that these masks represent yeah. kids. <laughs> I can't remember anything about it. Uh, I remember Lili Sobieski. I remember trying to figure out how to say Lili Sobieski's name. Sobieski? I'm still I didn't working even on know that. she was in there. the piano. Yeah, she's like the dressmaker's or the tailor's daughter who there's some weird implication that she's being set up with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I don't remember. He and Nicole Kidman smoke weed and it goes south, just like in London with Chris Evans and Beale. <laughs> now that was some Jason Statham acting, by the way. Yeah, that's true. You want to see Jason Statham in top form. He doesn't even have a fight scene in that movie. No, he doesn't need to. Yep. And he's got the same beard color. Isn't, that, isn't there a weird sailor scene? In London? Oh, no, in, in, in Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> in Eyes Wide Shut. There might be. It sounds like something that would be in that movie. Weird sailor. Like, Nicole Kidman has, like, an affair with a sailor character. Is this a dream? He's a, <laughs> it might have he's been. A, I think he's an admiral, but I like your... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a guy, it's Channing Tatum and Hail Caesar kind of character. And Nicole Kidman. But isn't an admiral just a leveled-up sailor? Yeah. Don't tell them that. They get... They bridle. No, they don't. They're not cavalry. No, they hate that. They're really jealous of the cavalry. But I'm with Tom. I'm always surprised when somebody remembers something from Eyes Wide Shut. 
All right, next we have Joe. Joe's number three choice is Screamers. Yeah, <sighs> gross. There's badges in that? I don't know what that even is. All right, the, the Alliance... Screamer. The Alliance soldiers are issued tabs which keep the Screamers from identifying them as targets. In this scene, an Alliance soldier tries to use his ID to shield a traveling companion from the Screamers. (laughs) In general, though, and he puts a YouTube, I'm sorry, Joe, I can't, I can't put a YouTube uh, link into what I'm saying right now. in general, though, the whole movie is about various forms of ID, though most are more abstract than a badge or a tab. What is Screamers? What the heck is that? It's a Peter Weller movie based on a Philip K. Dick story called Second Variety, where it's like he, it's a post-apocalyptic robots that scream and kill you. It's also a Dan O'Bannon script. Oh. Unfortunately, I know. Oh, whoa. It's heartbreaking. Hmm. Hmm. Well, is it good, though? I don't remember. No, it's some crappy thinking. like. I mean, it's a it's a, like a movie that she, it's like some crappy '80s movie that they forgot they should have made back in the '80s. I think it would have been cool if the robots had been cool, but they kind of weren't. I remember thinking at the time like they're not screaming enough. Like Is it better movies. or worse than Life Force? Oh, good lord! It's way worse. Yeah, Life Force. It doesn't have a naked chick like running around in half of it. Right, that's the only. That's, basically my benchmark for this when you guys talk about this kind of movie I just think of Life Force and how much I like that's why I like Carrie (laughs) what's the one where Ben Affleck is uh, fighting like a sludge worm no (laughs) I like reindeer games it's Ben Affleck and some people Phantoms Phantoms Phantoms. oh my god Phantoms Rose McGowan said that remember Phantoms yeah yeah, Screamers is Citizen Kane next to Phantoms though no chase Morgan me. Freeman's in it. Hey guys, they're going to do Batman with uh, Ben Affleck playing Batman. What do you think of that? <laughs> that's not possible. Is that a TV show? <laughs> oh, so that's why they're called Suicide Squad. <laughs> they have to watch him. Get it? So, so Joe, Joe's number two choice is Ex Machina. The climactic scene where Ava perforates her creator, takes his ID then uses the ID to entomb Caleb, thus winning the Turing test. So sad. Uh, you hate to be perforated like that. Uh, Your first time. And then wind up in a Jason Bourne movie. Um, Joe's number one is The Fifth Element. This is probably the same scene that Dingus was thinking about when he came up with the topic. Nope, I totally missed this one, Joe. Uh, but I will add my vote to all the others for Leilu Dallas multipass scene. That's uh, like Midnight Run, but co-ed. <laughs> <laughs> Great show, guys. Joe Montgomery. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Kelly, I need your help. Arthur. Shabana Jelly, why you do this to me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur's number Come three choice me. is 310 to Yuma. Oh, I like where this is going. Let's yeah, me too. Uh, Christian Bale and several others have locked themselves in a room with the outlaw Ben Wade, played by Russell Crowe. When the sheriff and his deputies arrive to help, the sheriff slides his badge under the door to prove he's a friend. When the odds turn against them, the sheriff and his deputies bail on Bale, but not before Bale tosses tosses the badge back to the sheriff, causing some shame. Uh. 
Why are you making that oh. exasperated sound? What's the matter with you? No, I'm just liking it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is favorite? it – Go ahead, Tom. Why is it that in Christian – like the best Christian Bale movies are the ones where he's just kind of the forgettable main character? Yeah. And the other people do the heavy lifting, like you know Heath Ledger or Russell Crowe. Or Sam Worthington. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, Ouch. Katie Holmes. Ugh. Kelly, is there any other actor in that movie, 310 to Yuma, that you might have liked? Uh, is Ben Foster in it? <laughs> Perhaps. He's in all the westerns. <laughs> he shot Tom in the head in that one. No. Tom won't let us watch. I should be so lucky. Yeah. Arthur's Mechanics number two style. choice is Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> uh, what? The police. Oh wait, this is a good one, and that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. The police chief lectures Ben Stiller for causing unnecessary chaos over a stolen purse, and Stiller is not pleased. In order to prove a point, Stiller tosses his badge on the desk, saying that the chief can take his badge if he wants. When the chief reaches for the badge, Stiller quickly pulls it back, not actually wanting to <laughs> Yeah, he goes, I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> There's also going to where Hutch is introduced as, like, he's robbing a bank with a bunch of guys wearing a mask, and then the cops stop them in an alley, and then he pulls his mask off and goes, okay, guys, we got him, I'm undercover, and then he, like, pulls out his badge, and then he turns around and makes, like, a, uh, what are they doing here, face? Like, yeah, <laughs> You have to know it's Owen Wilson, though. Yeah. yeah. When you're explaining that, yeah. Yeah. Arthur's number one choice is Muppets Most Wanted. Hmm. An Interpol agent, played by Ty Burrell. Is that how you say the name? T. Burrell. T. Burrell. Is that his rap name? Uh, I honestly don't know. That's He's one of the your favorite yeah, oh, he's awesome. Go. Yeah, he's a great. He's great in Modern Family. Uh, I think it's Ty Burrell. I, I don't know how else you'd say right. it. I'm just guessing. I think you know because you love him in Modern Family. I him. do love him in Modern Family. I love him in uh, even. In, do you remember him in Skeleton Twins, Dingus? Oh yeah, that's who Bill Hader goes to see. Uh, yeah. Um. So Ty Burrell and a CIA agent played. By the by way, the- real quick, also uh, Kelly, want to know this? Ty Burrell is the the asshole in uh, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. The the jerk in the in the mall who er, oh, you're yeah. supposed to hate who uh, uh, who has yeah. the yacht that they're going to go to that's also Ty Burrell before anybody knew who he was that's right yeah I forgot that yeah hmm. um so just Ty- remember I'm I'm your source of Ty Burrell trivia if you guys need and, any more of that and Ty Burrell pronunciation I appreciate I appreciate you helping me with that <laughs> um uh, Ty Burrell and a CIA agent played by Sam the American Eagle. Have a badge measuring competition featuring progressively larger badges. It culminates with Burrell opening his shirt to reveal a badge the size of his chest and Sam having a badge the size of a coffee table wheeled in. These two characters are the brightest spots in this otherwise dim Muppet movie. The moment he he like established and introduced it to the scene he was going to talk about, I was like, man, I should see that movie. But then as he went further and further explaining it, I was like, no, nah, I don't think yeah, I should see that I'm movie. Yeah, I'm with you totally on that, Tom. Uh, okay, so next we have Grant Stewart. Uh, three best ID badges in movies look a bit like this. Number three, Ex Machina. When Donald Gleason arrives at Oscar Isaac's retreat for <laughs> This is Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that is a good one. 
This is a good choice. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, when Donald Gleason arrives at Oscar Isaac's retreat for misanthropic pervert, he needs a security pass to access certain rooms. <laughs> the automated security system that takes, takes a picture <laughs> before he's ready, and he's stuck with a goofy face on his ID card. A moment of levity before it all kicks off. That always reminds me of uh, of um, of the tattoo scene in Idiocracy. Uh, oh yeah, not uh, sure. Grant Stewart. <laughs> not no, not uh, Grant Stewart's number two, Fight Club. Brad Pitt takes a guy's ID and threatens to find and kill him if he doesn't get underway with studying what he wants to do most. Later, we see Brad Pitt has gathered a large collection of ID cards from people he has been motivating in his own unique way. Oh, my. This makes me think of an awful ID card thing. Ugh. Uh, all right, I'll talk about that later. Anyway, thank you. Grant. Grant's number one. It was between McLovin and Muhammad. <laughs> How many people do you know named Muhammad? Yeah, that's... Uh, finally, we have Chris Markinson. Hey, guys. Here's some of my favorite ideas. Number three, Shaft 2000. <laughs> Incensed that a judge <laughs> had just granted Christian uh, Bale's character bail. Wow. Again? That's Samuel, interesting. Samuel Two different Jackson, listeners did that. No. Yeah. Samuel Jackson takes his police badge and hurls it 20 feet across the courtroom. <laughs> missing the judge by a couple of feet and embedding it into the wall. That is one strong and aerodynamic badge. It's like a horizontal shaft. Uh, Chris Merkinson's number two. The badge that Carl Urban wears as Judge Dredd. Uh, Tom's favorite, uh, I think, Siege movie. It's my favorite meat cue. It's my favorite <laughs> Lena Headey death. Mm. A large gold badge with an eagle on it and the name dreaded in uppercase on the top of the eagle. <laughs> and that's the bird that evokes dread. And Chris is number one. Oh, this is a great Justice. one, Chris. Damn. Um, the first time that Clarice interviews Lecter in the silence. Ah, I could totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. He asks to see her credentials and is a little shocked. Jack Crawford has sent him a trainee. He says, I, I, I mean, this is a great pick, Chris. You, you know, he says, uh, that ID is not real. Yeah, I mean, he says, that, that's a, I think he says, you're a trainee, that ID is not real. Jack Crawford has sent me a trainee. I mean, there's this great sequence where he actually pays attention to the ID badge that she's holding up. And you don't expect that. He, he actually looks at the whole thing. Uh, oh, that's a great pick, Chris. Damn, that's a great pick. Ugh. All right, that's all then we he, have. What did you say, Kelly? Well, then he asks if she's a great big fat person. Ugh, no, Kelly, when you're doing it wrong. Oh. No, he says. Put the fat uh, person in the basket. Is that what he says? He says she uses Evian skin cream, and sometimes she wears Laird to Tomp, but not today. And she has Chianti with a fine fava bean. Father B. Right. Do you guys have any runners up? I have one runner up. So I was going to choose uh, Titus Welliver's face in Transformers Age of Extinction. <laughs> that, that's, that's, to be fair, that, that's a warrant. Uh, it's not a badger ID, it's a warrant. So, yeah. unfortunately. Wait, I wish you'd picked it, though. Uh, I didn't want to get pulled one. over. What? You know. 
That would have been hard to pull over because it's so good. <laughs> it's a warrant. It's not a badge or an ID. It's a warrant. It works. <laughs> the judge usually has to grant his face. That's a good one. Damn it. See, now my I don't only want to do mine because that's too good. <laughs> Dingus, you had a runner-up. I have one that I really love, and it's um, it's <laughs> uh, it's the badges in uh, the uh, Lake Balboa sequence of Twenty One Jump Street uh, because they're just cloth sewn on to like polo shirts. <laughs> It's <laughs> not even like metal badges. It's just like Metropolitan Police, but they're they're supposed to be badges, but they're like just patches shown. So it's like those tuxedo shirts that people wear. <laughs> and I just love because I I went and watched that movie again, thinking about the badges because there's badges throughout it, but mainly they're just normal old police badges, and you you can see those in any movies. Uh, and I mean, there's a there's of course a there's great quotes from End of Watch and a ton of other movies about badges, um, but but in this particular moment, you know they've gone through their all their academy training and and they're so ready for just a life of like, once they pass uh, and once they graduate they're ready for this life of just kick ass stuff and they end up riding these bicycles around around this man made lake, which is really just a park for people to play with, and you know they do things like fetching a frisbee out of a lake. Um, but they're wearing these polo shirts with sewn-on badges. And I just love those sad little cloth badges so much. So I have some great news for you guys. How would you feel about a 21 Jump Street reboot but as a TV series with Richard Grieco and Johnny Depp? Oh, I would like that. Yeah, that's a real thing, just so you know. I don't like it when TV series recycle things from movies, though. I think it's just be more original. Um, when I was looking up uh, scenes from this until I just finally like pulled the movie and watched it, uh, there is a scene. Hello. Yeah. Or, Sorry. Yeah. There's a, there's a scene. Uh, there's there's, there's a, scene. a scene in, in the chat that comes up when you're searching like. Uh, sorry, everything went everything went dark for a moment. We just thought it was a, a super dramatic pause. We're, no. we're, yeah, we're waiting was, for this to be awesome, Dingus. There is a scene where where, um, where Johnny Depp and I think it's Richard. No, Crenna. No, it's not Richard Crenna, but it's from Fryer? the, the Twenty One Jump Street uh, television series. Greco, where they it's... actually do the uh, where they get pulled over and and. Uh, and he's like, we want our badges back. Can we have our badges back? Give us our badges back. And as they're walking off, they do the whole, we don't need no sticking badges thing in the original uh, 21 Jump Street television series. Yeah, they got that from Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Cyclical. And that's from history. All right, Kelly Wand, we're excited because you were enthusiastic to know that it's your week to introduce next week's 3x3. What do you got for us? Oh, okay. So this is inspired from a scene in Mechanic Resurrection where... Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, dear. Well, almost every scene in Mechanic Resurrection, actually. Because as I was watching it, or after I saw it, my translator was all, I feel really bad for the guards in that movie. Because I was thinking about this one guard where he's walking down the steps, and then Statham shoots him in the knees a couple times. And then he falls down the stairs. Then he looks down at his knees sadly. And then as he looks up, Statham shoots him in the face. 
And he's all, oh! It's kind of like the Saving Private Ryan guy who gets it in the helmet. And he's all, well, that was close. And then, uh, <laughs> so this week's 3x3 three three is three best guards in movies. You're welcome. If you'd like to participate <laughs> in this magical contest, similar to Donald Blake's cane quality, <laughs> Send your submissions to 3x3 at quarter2three.com, and I will misread them on the air next week. And uh, pl- yeah, please make sure to include exhaustive plots of animes for, for <laughs> Kelly Wan to read as well, because there's a lot of guards in anime. Yeah. There's no guards. We'll find out. There ain't no stinking guards. <laughs> I was confused when that guy got shot in the hip, but I was happy when it got paid off later in the movie. What? On the heli- on the helicopter pad. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah Why did he shoot him in the hip? Because he's teaching him a lesson. Yeah, yeah, that'll learn him. That's the uh, edu- It's like the uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, next week's movie we're going to see. It is a currently available video on demand. A movie called Everybody Wants Some Exclamation Point. Make sure you get the punctuation correct. Don't go see any pretenders. It's just everybody wants some with no punctuation afterwards. Make sure to look for the version that has two exclamation points. We're seeing that, uh, and we'll be doing a three-by-three of our favorite guards. Ooh! There you go. Timing much better on that one, Kelly Wand. Uh, I am Tom oh, Chick. I have been joined by Christian Marwaski. It's Christian Marwaski. And Kelly Wand. Ben Foster would make a cool Ethan Embry. Oh, shit! Get your towels ready, it's about to go down! Everybody in the place get the fucking deck! But stay on your mother! I'm the only one who likes this dog, but you picked the excellent video. I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! Everybody look at me, because I'm sailing on a boat! I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! Dingus blowing up boats is suspenseful. You don't know what's going to happen, and how does he get out of it? After this, you can invigorate all you want. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! 